not just nonstop arrest, but then you get there and like you're just a DOA. You yeah. Know, yeah. Not just, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've been dead for a minute. So shoot. Yeah. All right, so this is Julian Pete from Rust the Bus. We got Ian, Dwayne, and Maria. And we're just gonna, you know, talk about like what everybody's doing, you know. And During some of the things, COVID. the COVID thing, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't seeing it. So, you know, we figured we'd come on here and just you know, let everybody know what they're, what they're in for. So, you know, so basically, Maria, what do you see in Manhattan? What do you got going on in Manhattan? Um, well, I, I worked tour once, so okay. it's, it's, it's still crazy. You know, there's less units running. Yeah. Um, like I was saying before, uh, a while ago, or the norm is to get a lot of uh, nonsense calls. And I would say maybe like 25 to 30% of the calls that we got, you know, before were legit calls. Now it's like maybe 5% are not legit calls. So it's all arrests and diff breathers and, you know, um, just like nonstop. And it's just like uh, exhausting, not only like having to deal with the type of calls, but also like the whole, you know, deconning and everything in between yeah. and restocking. It's just like a long, long, long day. So yeah, yep. it just doesn't quit, man. It doesn't. Yeah, and then it's like, 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 um, you know, in the beginning, like you kind of had an idea of what kind of symptoms to look for when you got like yeah. a semi, you know, stable patient, and now it's like evolved so much that it's like, it, you know, it could be anything. It, you yeah. know, yeah. I've had like people complaining of like stomach pain and it turns into, you know, yep. like, okay, yeah. check their stat. And they're like satting in the 80s. They're yeah. totally hypoxic. Yep. I'm like, yeah, we had some chick so. the other night where like, yo, she, it came in as like a seizure job. And we get there, she's just acting weird. And are you drunk? You know, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, we thought maybe she was like a behavioral issue or just, like, you know, oh, mental kind of illness. Weird. And then we're like, all right, come on, you're going. You know, she's like throwing herself on the floor. You know, the whole code seven thing. Yeah. Then we get on the truck, her sat at like 70. We're like, oh. And she was, she was so alive. Yo, like, <laughs> bro, like, wait till you see this. People sats are in like the 60s. And like they're phenomenally And they're fine. Low. And they're fine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. 26. She was 26 wow. years old. Yep. She was warm, Same. pink, like she wasn't mm -hmm. cyanotic. And yes, yeah, like 70%. I mean, we were shocked. Yeah. Like we put her on, we were going to check her sugar because I was like, all right, this chick's acting like a wackadoo. And then all of a sudden, like the monitor's beeping and it's like 70% on the pulse ox. It was like, really shocking, you know? Yeah. That's but, okay. Yeah, that's been a weird yeah, thing, just... like where folks are actually not decompensating and then they decompensate really rapidly. Like they're yeah. sort of maintaining themselves at these like insanely low saturations. And then all of a sudden they've done that for probably like 10 days at home, a fever, you know, cough, weakness for 10 days. And then by day 11, they're like in respiratory distress and like needing a yeah. tube. Yep. And then the persistent PEA. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Wayne, what do you got, man? You're a day guy. We don't know nothing about this day life. It's just as hectic as the nightlife. It's, uh, you know, tour two is, is always been busy just as is tour three or tour one. But uh, same things. Those those numbers are astronomical. I, I can't can't fathom how <laughs> how crazy they are. Yeah. And you did how many? You did, what were you doing? A couple of rest a day, right? 
Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, three, four. I mean, today we did a short shift, so it was only about two. But, you know, like I was telling you before, we were on scene for a while. So, but you could still hear them coming over the radio, left and right. Yeah. Nonstop. That's the crazy thing is like, you know, they're everywhere. Somebody posted like a a picture the other day. You know, our lieutenants run like 12-hour shifts, and they're basically assigned to cardiac arrest calls. Like, lieutenants have to go to cardiac arrest. And one lieutenant in 16 hours did 13 cardiac arrests. Good God. Yeah. That's, I mean, think about just how, how much that is on a person. Like that's, that's yeah. all you're seeing all night. You know, it's, I mean, it's shocking. Like it's actually really scary. Like I, I feel like four weeks ago or five weeks ago, you know, we were talking about like family vacation. Like my dad was like, Oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to travel internationally because of this COVID or coronavirus. And I thought to myself, like, dad, you're being like really extra, you know, I was like, this is like the flu. And I'm like, no, it's like the apocalypse now, you know, like this is actually like legit. So Yeah, and I, I'm like, I've been talking to like my friends and stuff and everybody like, you know, they're like, oh, what are you seeing? How's it going? Whatever. And in the beginning, I was, act, I was, uh, you know, thinking the same way. I was like, this is nonsense. It's going to be another flu. Yeah. Uh, you know, yep. everybody's being super extra, being like yep. psychotic and buying yeah. too much toilet paper and what the yeah. hell. Yep. And, and now I'm like eating my words and I'm like freaking calling everybody. I'm like, no, uh, yeah, everybody's dying. Like, yeah. Like, stay like, home. Stay home. Yeah, stay home. home. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the thing, especially in the city that I've seen is like people just don't get it. I don't know if you saw it today. They had like um, a post about like how packed uh, Central Park was because it's actually super nice out yeah. and people just don't get it. They're like right next to each other. And like, know. you know, not even everybody has a mask. And even if you do, like that doesn't help you 100%. No. So it's just like nuts that like people are just like out and about and the whole thing about like okay only essential workers like i thought that was going to help because people aren't going to work but guess what now they're home doing nothing they're bored so they're going out and they're just hanging out with their friends and going to the park and doing whatever they want to do and like they they just don't get it (laughs) and i think i mean like the cause people are assuming that if they're outside they're not going to be exposed and i think like especially in new york city like a lot of us live in apartments. Like you kind of feel cooped up. You want to get out. Yeah, you got um, me cooped up. I'm like outside. Yeah, I know. I mean, you have a backyard and stuff, yeah. but and so do you, Dwayne. Well, like, Dwayne but most most people kind of you know live in an apartment building and don't really have a balcony or a yard. So I get wanting to like take your kid out or whatever. But like, I went to Flushing Meadows Park today to kind of like chat with some of the um, mutual aid crews who come here. And there's like a little skate park right by where they're posted. And it was packed. It was packed with like, you know, like older teenagers on their skateboards, younger kids on their scooters and skates. Nobody has masks on. And I'm like, you know, the reality is like, there might be someone in there who has COVID. And now you're like breathing in the same air. There's like these micro particles in the air. None of these kids have masks on. And God forbid, like someone fall and break their ankle or their wrist you're going to go to the hospital you're going to be exposed to it and you're going to come home and expose everybody in your house everybody in your apartment building you know i mean like people are walking in they're touching the mailbox touching the washing machines touching like the elevator buttons so it's like people are getting exposed and their loved ones haven't even been outside of the house you know like we're going to people's houses where they're like 
oh, I mean, I don't think she has COVID. Like she hasn't been out all month. And it's like a hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah. they have it. Like a hundred percent, they yeah. have it. Yeah. They got it. They didn't yeah. have to go out. You know, someone brought it in on some grocery bags or whatever. Like they right. got it. You know. Ian, what are you seeing yeah. down there? You got a lot of COVID people, or just like suspected stuff? I'm actually listening to to you guys talk about it. I'm actually kind of surprised because we're. I I kind of feel like after, especially after hearing you guys talk about it, we're kind of on the like behind you guys like a week or so because we're seeing plenty of patients yeah uh, i checked the numbers today i think florida has like thirteen thousand cases or whatever okay wow. but um as far as contact goes and like like we, we're at a stay, stay at home order as well obviously as, as yeah. a country but like you're saying unless it's like the disney area or the attractions area mm -hmm. i mean my wife and i were just talking about it today we still see people going to Publix. people are still driving on the roads yeah. Um, I mean, they close down the parks, but you know, that's easy to walk into a public park yeah. around here. And, um, I just feel like it's going to catch up to us at some point. Like our department is, if you have a cough, we treat you, you know, like you ha have COVID basically mm. anyone that's sick on any level we treat. Yeah. Like, you've already been confirmed, but I feel like the level of con <laughs> confirming patients and the level yeah. of contacts is going to increase. Yeah. And with you guys being so densely populated, you know, you guys are seeing all the effects up front a lot and you're catching a lot of this stuff up front. Yeah. I just feel like for whatever reason, we're, we're behind the curve like a week or so. Can I ask you a question, Ian? If, yeah. if uh, you know, I, I it, it sort of hit us pretty hard in New York and, and we're, we're, you know, playing the catch-up game. Um, and the catch-up game for us is literally almost every day that we go into work, our protocols are changing. Something different's coming out yeah. that, that we need to accommodate for, you know, what's going on out in the public. Is it is it the same out there for you guys? Like, do you, have you seen a drastic change in your protocols or? Um, yeah, it, it is, man. Every shift it's something new. Um, and I mean, two, three times a shift sometimes, they'll come out with IBs with updates. Hey, now this is changing. Hey, now this uh, COVID alert, we're changing the criteria. Hey, now the response calls, the response to the calls and who we send is changing. So yeah, it's, it's changing. Constantly, man, it's a constantly fluid, fluid thing. Okay. What are you guys wearing? You guys wearing Tyvek suits and stuff? Because like I heard some in like different counties, like they're wearing Tyvek suits and you know hazmat no. job. You know, Shoot, not even man. They gave us N95 or a surgical mask, one of those paper plastic freaking aprons, mm -hmm. and some gloves and goggles, and we're like, hey, yeah. sorry, how about it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I think like people are going to burn through all their stuff, you know, where oh, all really? yeah, absolutely. yeah, you know, it's crazy. We're, we stopped sending our suppression units on calls because we were blowing through the PPE too fast and we had to give our extras to our rescue crews. Yeah. We had to lock away our stuff because some of the workers that were working on our stations were stealing it. And I'm sure you guys have been dealing with it too. It's, yeah. it's just crazy. It's going to be interesting. So. Like we had, um, we had isolation suits, like the isolation suits that we carry generally on the ambulance have like, you know, the hair net thing. And it has like the things that go over your boots and it has the gown. And I guess they ran out of them. I don't know. But at yeah, our they station, ran out. Yeah. Like now we only yeah. have basically the Blasio is making more now. You saw that? I know. I, I well, because he said, he said something like, oh, no, we're good. Like everybody has gear. And I'm like, Every day I'm putting my hair back and I'm like, I, I don't want my hair, like, not that it's in my face, but I'm like, not for nothing. It's, it's a problem that for women, like,
like, you know, who have any kind of longer hair, or I mean, I'm sure guys do too, but you don't want to go into someone's house. Yeah, Peter. I had, know, to say, yo, you know, I had to do favors. I had to take vitals for an ER tech the other day to get her hair nets. I know, he did. He got me a few nets for my yeah. hair, but I'm like, I just went on Amazon to order a bunch of like hair wraps or hair nets. And like, literally you could go down the list. It was like, you know, no, none available, unavailable, unavailable. Hey Neil. Hey Neil. And like, like, that's it. People are buying them up. And when I went to Woodhull the other day, like the girls who are in the triage area had literally taken the isolation gowns and basically cut them up and created like hair wraps because it's like, you don't want to expose yourself and you don't want to have to literally wash your hair every single day because I mean, when I come home from work, I'm showering and like scouring my skin every single day. But it's like to have to wash your hair constantly, constantly because you're like out there gross, you know? I know nothing of this struggle. So I, know. He's good. <laughs> I know, I know. But like, you know, for, for women, it's, I don't know, you just, you don't want to be so touching people or coughing. Like, like, we know, you know, this, this is from day one has been compared to the flu and, you know, flu is, it's transmitted in, in, in certain ways. Now, I, I think, again, along with the progression of this, this virus itself, a lot of us don't know me myself included what's the best form of protection um will the hair network do we all need to be encapsulated in uh you know a a bubble suit like is 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 it sufficient enough with just the n95 and 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 a face shield and maybe a gown like because i still don't i still don't even feel that way i feel like you know when i go into a house i'm still my back is touching something because my back is open and now i gotta take off my shirt and and wash that immediately like i don't you know a a lot of this is 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 of course still scary and new to us but what do, you, what do you guys think is the best form of protection? For, you know, okay. All right. There we go. I don't even know. You know, so Neil yeah. had a COVID explode on him the other day. Really? Yeah. Right, Neil? I don't think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> an exploding COVID patient. So yeah. I think they exploded. <laughs> Apparently they do. So. Wire brush. That's, uh, that's uh, I, mean, I mean, after the call, I, I came back to the station and, uh, you know, I, I washed myself down and, you know, uh, I obviously changed my, my clothes and stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I went home from work and I showered and, and everything, but like, it's only so much that, uh, you know, we could do. And, um, uh, you know, I, I just had a, a zoom meeting, believe it or not with, uh, my union mm. and we're looking to maybe, you know, expand out the protection for our members and, Obviously, you're in, you're you guys are included as well. Um, to maybe face shields instead of goggles, and um, maybe maybe actually like you know we're we're definitely exploring respirators. Oh wow! Um, wow. We're we're we know that the the fire department is falling uh, short on protecting us, and um, we're concerned about everybody. You know, we're concerned yeah. about and captains, but also our, our members that are under us, which are the EMTs and paramedics. Well, and, um, you know... I don't know about the captain concern. Are you really concerned about captains? Mm-hmm. Well, we're, con- yeah, we're concerned about... I'm not. <laughs> I understand, you know. I mean, you know, we, we, got, we got to... You know, there's people that... There's captains that are out there too, and, like, they're part of our union. Like, you know... Um, we're concerned, about, we're concerned about everybody, you know what I mean? So, well, yesterday was Neil's first day on the road, and um, 
I remember he said to us that it was kind of weird leaving leaving somebody at home. Mm. What do you mean leaving someone at home? Remember that that person we had? You know, he was kind of oh. that was so, new. Like that's one of our new things. Like we're just leaving. If you don't want to go to the closest hospital, we're telling you, sorry, pal. You know, take a cab. Yeah, we've been like go. super busy with like um. I mean, like just. You know, before it's like, okay, you, you, it might be a BS call, but if you want to go to the hospital, we're going to do it. We'll take you. Yeah, now it's like, now it's like RMA, RMA, RMA. There's days where we're like, it's all RMA. I'm like, yeah. if you, if you go to the hospital, you're going to get it. Yeah. So and I a think, lot of like very sick people. And then also yeah. the, the change in protocol where now we can uh, give them medications or treatments and yeah. not call. That like, yeah. That's freaking awesome. I know. Awesome because I, know. I used it the other night and I'm like, wow, like yeah. this, this is the way it should yeah. be. Yeah. We treated someone for an allergic reaction the other day. We gave Benadryl, we gave dexamethasone, and then I called telemetry, like, do I have to call? And they were like, Nope. And that nope. was it. I was like, Oh, okay. So we're gonna take yeah. RMA. We just like took her IV out and left. But yeah. I mean, the call that we had yeah. the other day with Neil, Neil's our supervisor, he's our lieutenant, and it was like it was honestly, it was a pretty sick patient. I mean, his sats were kind of low. He had like a lot of cardiac issues and his family was like really adamant that they wanted him to go to this like far away hospital. And we were like, that's just unfortunately not a possibility. No more trips and, to the BI, you too wait. Yeah, and, and that's it. And we're like, uh, I'm so sorry. You know, like he does need to be seen by a doctor. He should be seen. But the reality is like, you're, he's gonna go by himself. He's not gonna have any advocate for him. And he's not going to be able to go to the hospital that you guys normally go to. Like, oh, doctor's at. And the family chose to keep him home. And it's like one of those really weird, like you have this almost ethical conundrum where you feel yeah. like in any other day, you would have a hundred percent taken that yep. guy to the hospital a hundred percent. And, and we're like, this actually is probably more detrimental to him. Like if he talks to his doctor tomorrow or you guys talk to his doctor tomorrow, then you might have a different outcome. But for us, like, it's almost like certain death. Like, we're going to take this guy to the hospital, and that's it. He's probably not going to ever come home, you know? It's like a really weird time for us to make those kind of decisions. These are, like, ethical decisions that, not that we didn't have to make before, but now more than ever, we're making. Like, we're, we're basically doing triage every day. Like, are you sick enough to need going to the hospital? And if you're not, you're not going. Like we're triaging you back to your home. You know, that's it. Yeah, yeah that, that's kind of nice. I wish they'd let us do that. It's if you want to go, you go regardless for us. So, really? Yeah. We're it's they call it customer service, but I just feel like it's the opposite. Yeah. Your hospitals aren't like your hospitals aren't as bad as as ours are doing now, I mean, with the amount of patients, are they in Florida? Well, probably not, honestly. I mean, our, I mean, our busiest hospital downtown Orlando is probably still nothing compared to what you guys are dealing with. So, I mean, in all honesty, but. And Ian, that might change for you guys. Like you might see as the coming weeks happen that you really are like leaving people at home yep. because yep. the reality is like, there comes a point where we're, you know, we're going to people's houses who have a cold or have a cough, have a fever, like in all likelihood they have COVID or they've already tested positive for it, but their, you know, their vitals are great. They're satting. Okay. And we're just, we're straight up telling them like, you, you know, it's better for you to stay home. You have family here that can take care of you because you're going to go to the hospital. You're going to be alone. 
you're going to be sitting in a chair all night because if you're ambulatory, they're not giving you a bed. Right. For sure. And so they're sending, and they're sending people back home once they like, you know, are like stable enough to go back. They're not, they're not going to treat you for anything. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, right. there's, there's people that are a lot yeah. sicker, yeah. yeah. Do you guys have thermometers down there or no? Yeah. Uh, us, yes, yeah, we do. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, we don't have I thermometers. I know. I it's like, Not even the crappy forehead ones? Nope. What a great tool that would be to have, you know? My, my partner actually uh, has been carrying a thermometer that she, she got as a gift for Christmas, and that thing has saved us, like, so many times because there's been times with like people not showing any signs or symptoms yeah. check now the first thing we do is check their temperature we had a guy that was at 106 on the temperature wow like your brain is probably fried right now yeah. oh my god and other than that like he had no symptoms wow. and then wow. he sat and he was standing at 76 <gasps> on room air not showing any other symptoms or any you know um distress and like yeah. that, that 106 is like whoa yeah you're cooked so, yeah. but if you if, if we hadn't had that thermometer with us like i mean he feels yeah. hot of course but like, yeah. we don't know exactly yeah definitely yeah. something that we especially with this virus it's like like we, it should be part of what we carry yeah. i know yeah. yeah i know neil had asked for thermometers and stuff they asked for them right neil yeah. huh. no I mean, I, I brought that up um, um, to my union uh, to ask actually the department, and um, many weeks later we came out with pulse oxes. So um, <laughs> pulse ox symmetry is a is a great tool, but the problem is is that um, if you know how to do a proper patient assessment, you don't need pulse oximetry. You do need a right. thermometer. Yep. Uh, we do wear gloves, and depending on you know, the agency you work for and the thickness of the gloves, you may not uh, pick up on a, a, especially a low grade fever, which yeah. is uh, what, you know, a lot of COVID patients have um, through the glove. Um, and then next thing you know, you know, uh, you're missing, you're missing a sign or symptom of uh, something that's going on. So. Yeah. yeah I, had a, I had a call the other day with um, a BLS crew um they originally got the call as as a sick call um mm. when they got there the the, the uh, female she was i think in her 80s and having like a really hard time breathing um and i don't know it, i i also teach on the side so i like to uh have like a little teachable moment after each call yeah like i won't call you out on scene but you know afterwards like what could we have done different what did we learn with this what did we do right what did we do wrong you know <laughs> and my partner gets annoyed at me but i'm like if you, you can bitch to, and complain though. about something that went wrong, yeah, you you're not doing anybody any favors, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can say it nicely, and, you know, this is a teachable moment for everybody. So anyway, they, they rushed to bring the patient down, and they were waiting downstairs for us, and obviously almost in respiratory arrest, the, the lady, wow. right? Um, uh, so um, we ended up tubing her and everything. So... Um, they they had a pulse ox with them, one of them, and mm. she, you know, after the call, I was like, you know, why 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 did you guys not like bag her, right? So mm. they were like, oh, we, you know, I, I didn't see the pulse ox, you know, my partner had it, and I'm like, okay, so 
first of all, don't throw your partner under the bus. You work yeah. together. And then second of all, I'm like, so what if you guys didn't have a pulse ox? Like, why are you not treating what you see? Because she was obviously showing signs of distress. Like, look at her belly. Look at the way she's breathing. Look, you know. So that that was kind of like a teachable moment, like not not to treat so much the uh, equipment and the numbers, but like to actually look at mm -hmm. your patient along with what like Neil was saying that you assess the patient yep. correctly. So, yep. you know, the, the pulse yeah. oxes are great, but. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. I've, I've, I've had quite a few patients though that their, their pulse ox was pretty low and they weren't really displaying that it was, they were in distress in any Yeah, the majority of them are not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and if you're. I think it's altitude change. You know what I'm saying? Like you change the altitude or the temperature, and that's what—that's when they shit the bed. You know, like the CHF room when you bring them outside and they flash. Right, right. I'm wondering if that's might be the thing. You know, yeah. it's definitely because and it's, I it's, saw it's, a, it's a quick. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, dude. Go ahead, dude. It's a quick like um, it's a quick decline. Like yeah. you know, they they yeah. they're satting at like 60 and not showing any symptoms at all, and then two minutes later. They're literally in respiratory arrest. Like yeah. it, it, it yeah. happens that fast. Yeah. There's been yeah. plenty of times where same thing. I responded to a BLS crew, um, you know, for whatever reason, and they said, "Yeah, we were talking to them two seconds ago." Now all of a sudden, they're doing CPR as soon as we get there. You know, yeah. it's, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, I think that's the weird thing about the COVID situation too. Is that like, like we had a patient. One of our last jobs, not last night, but the night before, was like the family said like she's been home for 11 days, 11 days. She's uh, been like doing okay, yeah. or at least had a fever for 11 days, but for 11 days she compensated. And when we got there, she was breathing at like 40 breaths a minute. You know what I mean? Like she was blue, her lips were purple. Like, and, and you're kind of like, holy shit, how did this, this like just happened in an instant, you know? And I mean, we had a guy the other day, too, who was, like, not doing so great. He'd been taking his own inhaler, thinking it was an asthma kind of thing. And his family's like, he hasn't been out. Like, he doesn't have COVID, you know, like, he has no fever. And it looked like a kind of like a heart failure type of deal. Like, he had pedal edema and stuff. And right, Yeah, his pressure was up and everything. Yeah, his pressure yeah. was up. His sats were not terrible. And we ended up, you know, treating him with albuterol and then realizing like, oh, that's not great. Like that didn't work out so well. And then kind of like treating him with nitro and CPAP thinking like, all right, it's a heart failure thing. And then that didn't work out so great. And he got <laughs> like, like we basically got to the hospital and A, the doctor yelled at us for putting him on CPAP and then B, yeah. like tubed yeah. him almost yeah, instantaneously. That's, yeah. that's yeah. what I was going to ask you guys. Have you guys been uh, yelled at yet for using the CPAP or, yes. or, or even the non-rebreather? You know what, he was Chaffer. and you know we had him on CPAP and the doctor just was like he's COVID so I think that's the other thing we're going to start seeing is you know you're going to treat everybody as a COVID but they're really regular patients you know because yeah, what's 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 the alternative are you, are you supposed know. to them right away without without trying to see well that is, yes that's, that's, that's actually what he suggested he suggested we should have tubed him but at I gotta be honest like we were like five blocks from the hospital and already in our system, we have to call to get sedation orders. Right. But at That's another point, thing that should change. Our doctors are so inundated with calls. Like we called during an arrest the other day and they had five arrests on the phone. Yeah. So am I supposed yeah. to wait for 10 minutes to tube this guy when I could yeah. be in the hospital in seven minutes? I'm yeah. not going to wait. I'm just going to take him to the hospital. And the doctor, as soon as we get there, tubed him. It, you know what I mean? Like he needed a tube. But I can't wait on scene to get that tube. I just got to get the hell out of there, you know? Yeah. And 
I mean, if I had a 20 minute transport, yeah, like we got to do what we got to do, but we're like right by the hospital. I'm not going to wait on the phone to get you, you know, sedation orders. Like I got to just get to the hospital. And, and I felt bad for this poor guy, you know, but like, it's, it was like he decompensated so quickly. His stats kind of remained high. So like, I'm not entirely convinced it was COVID related, but like, who knows? Mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, like, we're sort of assuming everybody's got it, you know? And it's the other thing, like the lung sounds are clear with the COVID. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's so weird. Throwing a lot of people off. Clear so. in every field. Like you, you're like, this person is having obviously like a struggle breathing, yeah. but their lungs are clear. And then you put them on the pulse ox and it's like, holy shit, they're standing at 50%. Like, yeah. you know, and, and their sense, hands, yeah. their nail beds are blue. Their toenail beds are blue. Their hands are blue. Like, I mean, it's, it's like, we're seeing cyanotic patients. Like, like you, they're, you're like, this is a classic textbook example of what cyanosis looks like. They are purple, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel uh, so, like, nervous. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be interesting. So, mm-hmm. Can I- have you guys had any, had any, like, um, we had, we had a call the other day that we thought was a COVID and some of the, you know, what the family members were describing sounded mm-hmm. like the patient was going to be a COVID. And he, he was also having chest pain, right? So we're like, okay, we'll do the 12 lead. And it was a STEMI. Oh, wow. So I, I, um, I read an article, you know, there's like all these different, uh, you know, studies going on now because nobody yeah. knows what the hell COVID is and the symptoms keep changing and everything else. How like there's cardiac involvement too. So we, we went back to follow up on that patient after he went to the STEMI, like the next day um, we, we checked on him and, and he was COVID positive. Oh, wow. So like, oh, I don't know if it's- We read something that has like AFib. It's like causing like AFib now or something. I think Julia yeah. told me that. There's, so. there's a lot of like cardiac issues that are happening with the COVID they're saying. And um COVID is causing it or this is yeah, just a- causing it's, causing, it's causing it's causing causing new cardiac issues. Yeah, yeah. underlying issues you guys are saying. Yeah. A yeah. friend of a friend of mine is a um an ER doctor. He works at uh where, where is he in Long Island, right? Sony Brook. Um good friend of mine, uh of us and the family, and um he said it has a high affinity for cardiac cells. Mm. Um mm. Well, there'll be a lot of cardiac involvement. So um, even like when you get the yeah, respiratory like that isn't sounding the, good, it's because they have, because it's affecting the cardiac. Yeah, so it's also affecting the cardiac cells. So like there'll, there'll be like um, EK, a lot of EKG changes, uh, AFib. Uh, you'll see a lot of like uh, ectopy, mm-hmm. um, local EVCs, um, MIs will happen. Um, mm-hmm. That's really what's putting them into, you know, eventual cardiac arrests as well as the um, the tissue uh, involvement. I know, I'm sure a lot of you guys have, have seen. I mean, I've I've been on the desk for a lot of this, but like from one day that I was working, you know, I, the boss is always getting the cardiac arrest. So um, I've seen a lot of the 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 um, the red the red coming out. The red line. The red line. Acute oh, MI. Yeah. About this thing. But like, you know, the arrests where the, the, the red goo is coming out and you know, oh. it's, it's pretty obvious that it's uh, surfactant. Um, it's, it's pretty obvious that it's alveoli destruction. Yes. Um, back up. It's, it could be back up from 
failure. Yeah, it could be backup from heart failure. But I mean, it, it's definitely not straight up blood. Yeah. Um, me. Julianne, your hair looks good. <laughs> Thanks, Anne Marie. I need a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> but me, it looks like it's it's kind of a mixture. It's almost like um, you know, when you get like kind of like um, you know, somebody with a bad trauma, and uh, you know, um, they have where the CSF is coming out of the ear. Yeah. You know. Uh, that that kind of situation where it's not just blood it's a mixture of other things like, like cells like tissue like surfactant or yeah. like that's that's like mixing with the blood and then it, it creates this like oily uh bright red blood but not specifically like straight up like blood like it's mixed Ooh, with and yeah, we had that on our first arrest for the covid arrest i know that was sad and that we went into this this patient's house, and I got to tell you, when I saw the guy, I was like, oh, my God, he's super young. And he was actually 75, but he was in excellent shape, like really looked like a healthy. He looked like a 50-year-old. I mean, super healthy looking. And basically, he was COVID positive. The family said he'd been treated for pneumonia, and he was doing okay. He was at home, like resting, and then dropped in front of his children, who are adults, and they basically started you know, CPR on him. And that was it. I mean, we ne like it started as asystole, it went into PO PEA, then it went to asystole, yeah. and all the stuff that was coming out of the tube was like, what is this? You know, like what is this yeah. shit that's coming up? Yeah. And I actually I've been reading stuff that um, in the hospitals, like and in Mount Sinai, they actually have a video on YouTube that you can look up. Um, they're proning the patients, so yeah, that's so they're turning them over, and they're saying that because there's, I guess, all this like destruction of the alveoli and everything, it gives their, it gives them more space to kind of like allow for oxygenation. And so if they're even doing it, I mean, they're doing it obviously on intubated patients, they're trying to prone them for like 18 hours a day or something, but they're even doing while it intubated? On, while intubated. Yep. Maybe they use one of those massage tables. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy there. If you go on, go on YouTube and look up yeah. proning, and Mount Sinai has like a little educational video. It's like maybe 15 minutes long. And they show how all the nurses come. They like put them in a sheet with pillows and they all like roll them together. And all the, the central lines and all the, I, the intubation stuff has to be like. They leave them accessible. To, yeah, yeah accessible. Two people. We don't need 10 nurses. I watched but, the video. They got like 10 nurses. <laughs> <laughs> two people. But for us who have like who have Make patients who are, you know, awake and, and alert and everything. Um, it's nothing that really says in our protocol that we can't do that. If that's a position of comfort for the patient, I mean, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure that's a possibility. Like if we can, everything's changing. We're 93 yeah. in the world. We might get it. We might get, we might get an order that says transport everybody prone. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's always the whole like, oh, don't you know, don't put your patients prone. But there's there's really nothing that says precisely that we can't. It's position of comfort, and if their stats increase in that position. I mean, obviously, don't lay them face down, but like, if you're able to put a few pillows under them, make them comfortable where they're in this like swimming position. Yo, I mean, we used to put EDP face down in the reed. Exactly I remember that. that, like back in the day. What'd you say, Neil? I know Neil's our supervisor, so what he says. I sound like you, you wanted to say no. <laughs> oh, listen, Is that Stuart? Tell Stuart I said. No. Anne Marie says no. You are not the hospital. You're not a 
rolled, right? <laughs> I, I know what the she's hospital. not at the BOT anymore. She's in the field. I know. And oh, here's Emory's a, Emory's a lieutenant and an instructor. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I get it. But I so, can I, can I ask this question also? In, in, in lieu of trying to get ahead of everything, like I'm, you know, Emory knows, everybody knows I'm new as a medic. So being a clinician is sort of a, a new aspect for me. Um, now, you know, huh? You're great. You're fucking oh, great. Was nobody. Oh. <laughs> Amory. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But in, in, in lieu of trying to, I guess, stay ahead of everything, you know, we mentioned this has a lot of, uh, you know, cardiac results. Uh, should we start looking? Like, is there ways that we can try and jump ahead of it? Is, is Should we start looking at the EKG first before, you know, we, we only really do it, you know, when someone complains of chest pain or anything like that. But um, if, if if it comes across as COVID positive, should we try and look at that EKG and, and see if we can correct the cardiac wise? And I'm, I'm thinking we're going to learn. Like, obviously, yeah, you know? I think obviously, like, you know, just, you know, um, ABCs. Yep. which is sounds simple but like most of these people with the airway and the breathing is you know but then when you you do see those like signs and symptoms that they're not there it kind of makes it confusing for you to like you know right, that's, if you, if you that's, have yeah. somebody that's not exhibiting those yeah. breathing issues or you know they're, they're they're not showing any um distress so it's like super tricky to like yeah. figure yeah. out like same thing with that that guy that i had like, you know, he said he had some mild chest discomfort, or whatever, and that's why we did the 12 lead. But otherwise, you know, I don't think, you know, that would have been the first thing to go to yeah. with all everything that's like happening with the COVID. Yeah. <laughs> don't, yeah. I think everybody's going to have to tell each other, you know, like what they're seeing. You know, like if you're starting to see yeah. like the EKG changes, you know, like I know the yeah. persistent PEA is one of the new things that we heard, you know, the AFib and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, I think we're going to beat, you know, like our protocols and the remac and what, if we're going to wait for the department to tell us stuff, we're going to be no, they're not gonna, behind they're not everything, gonna, yeah, I mean, you know? Yeah. So I think we yeah, need to tell each other. That, that was like the kind of like the point of this so, is like, you know, share well, with uh, them. Yeah, but you can't them. not adhere to our yes, protocol. You can. No, you have to listen to the Wink, protocol. wink. I hear Anne Marie in the back. Maybe we should consult. I understand completely where you guys are coming from. I, you know, like I said, I, I was out there one day. You guys have been out there way more, right? But like, I, I've been there with you, you know, but like, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I know that you guys are, are searching for any kind of edge in regards <laughs> to this situation. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, blatantly honest. This is more of a recovery mission. Yeah, you're absolutely you know, right. Than, than it is, than it is saving people's lives. It, you know, um, you're, you're going to, you're going to know who, who has it, you're going to know who is salvageable yep. and you know who isn't. Yep. And um, I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't do an EKG. Why not? But yeah. the thing is like, you know, it's like Miranda said, ABCs, air, air, yeah. air breathing, circulation, keep yourself as safe as possible. And a lot of these patients, it's going to be, Hey, you know, are you, you going to die at home? Or are you going to die in the yeah. hospital? With, I know. With friends yep. And friends yeah. around. Yeah, you know, that was the uh, toughest thing is like, you know, like we wheeled a few people out and it was like, they didn't, it didn't sink into them until we were putting them in the back of the truck and they're like, they're yeah. not coming back, you know? You know so, Ian, wait till you guys see that, like that's going to be really tough. 
that's that's what we're waiting for, man. Honestly, like yeah. every I'm I'm taking notes, like mental notes, as you guys are talking, so yeah. I can take the shift. Be like, hey, man, this is what they're seeing. I'm pretty sure it's kind of within the yeah. next week or so. Yep. So. Not about being a clinician right now. No, it's, not- it's tactical. It's all tactical and speed. And, that, and that's that's the part that's I'm not gonna lie that's the part that scares me like I I, I mean I know like you know Neil said we're in the recovery position but it, it's it, it, it's tough like I, it, it's hard to walk in there and just say all right there's nothing we can do and walk right out know, like it's, yeah. it's this is triage problem. at the end yeah. of the day this is triage this is yeah. the, this yep. is the biggest yeah. MCI we've ever had yep. I mean like honestly short of like 9-11 yeah. this is like this is a legit ongoing MCI like this is not a one-day thing this is like an ongoing several weeks in MCI where we're literally triaging people I I was telling Neil just yesterday actually the day before yesterday probably but I I I almost got into an argument with a lieutenant because you know this whole 20-minute rule and uh you know BLS was there doing CPR for about 16 17 minutes and then we showed up because of course you know we're all extended I had to go away into Queens for the cardiac arrest and as soon as I get there the lieutenant was he was like don't worry you know we're gonna call it in like two three minutes meanwhile behind me the family is beating up the wall crying and everything I'm like lieutenant I'm I'm not gonna sit here and just wait and do nothing like I I'm gonna try and do something you know yeah. and the guy was young too he had yeah. just dropped it wasn't it wasn't like it you know it, it, he had underlying health issues or anything like that yeah. um the lieutenant understood because of the situation we were in but I, it, it that was one of the hardest things for me to say all right I'll stop and I won't you know I won't do anything like I I, I don't know I don't know that's that's gonna take some getting used to yeah, that's, 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 that's the biggest hard thing. to like to like yeah. That's you know, hard we, to like, like decide not to do something or to do yeah. something because our instinct is to go help the person. Yeah, right. But also right. another thing that we have to be careful with that. I was talking to one of my friends that's a, a paramedic in, in Connecticut and you know, it's obviously not as bad as here, but they're having similar cases. And one of his partners actually just went out Lodi because he got beat up by a family member oh, on wow. scene of a cardiac arrest. Wow. So in terms of like you know scene safety, that's another thing to like you know it's yeah. it's yep. so many things to, to to look out for at once. Yeah, you know? and obviously yeah. you want to do the best and help the patient, but you also gotta help yourself too. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we've explained in the last week several times to different people, and and I feel like I've actually said I'm sorry like so many times to people this last yeah. week that I've had to say like I'm so sorry like if if this were a few weeks ago or I'm so sorry like would have been you different. Know, yeah. Yep. We're in a different situation. I'm so Absolutely. sorry. It's a pandemic. I'm so sorry. This is like a crisis in New York City. Like, like I feel like I'm constantly apologizing because our hands are tied, like, with certain things. Like, we can't take people to the hospital they want to go. We can't take family members with us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these are, like, I saw someone at the hospital the other day. It, like, really upset me. And I get it. Like, you can't, you have to make a rule that is just, like, we can't take any family. That's it. And there was a patient at the hospital who was autistic and nonverbal and he had no one advocating for him. And like, he was kind of walking around the hospital. He kept getting out of his bed and like the staff kept trying to help him and like, you know, put him back in his bed. And I was like, this poor guy can't communicate what he needs. And there's no caretaker here to like speak on his behalf. 
it was so fucked up. Like I felt really sad about it. And I'm like, I get it. Like we can't, if it's, if we're like allowing his family member to come, then we got to allow other family members to come. But at some point you're like, we're bringing people who have dementia in people who fucking cannot advocate for themselves. And like, we're basically putting them on their own in a hospital. Like it's, it's a really, I feel like fucked up from it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I don't know how to handle this. Like, I don't think any of us do. Because we never have to handle shit like this. Yeah. And what's your pronouncement thing down there? Like, how long do you work people before you pronounce them? You know, do you want um, to pronounce them? You know? How do you again, that's a situational thing. We can, but obviously they have to meet criteria, you know, cold and stiff, warm environment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mainly it's, uh, it's 20 minutes to call them on scene. They okay. have to start start systole, end in systole. Um, their end title has to be below ten, and okay. um, uh, yeah. So, and five rounds of drugs have been pushed after that. As long as they meet that criteria, we're allowed yeah. to call it. But kind of like what was already talked about, there's been times where I know that we're not getting this guy back, and it's you know eighty, ninety year old guy who's skin yeah. and bones, and you know he's got all sorts of issues. But then the, the family members on scene are so distraught. I'm like, I, yeah, it's yeah. better if we just take them. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. yep. That's, the, that's the toughest thing, I think, for most of us, because we transport every cardiac arrest. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, to leave them, this is, this is new to all of us. Gotcha. So to work for 20 minutes and leave them, we don't, this is all new. Gotcha. Because there's been plenty of times that, that, I've had to leave people, you know, whether it's call volume or whatever. I don't know. Since this is new, I don't know if you guys have your uh, officers, like police officers with you or not for us, especially in our area. Um, we get our sheriff's office responding to every cardiac arrest with us. It's important to kind of help with. Yeah. If we choose to decide, hey, this this is just a lost cause as it is, we're going to go ahead and leave this person here. So I, I, we kind of have that kind of buffer sometimes uh-huh. where yeah. we can kind of just kind of pass it off to them and be like hey we're calling it here we we gotta go type mm-hmm. deal yeah it doesn't make it any easier you know because obviously the family's still there yeah you know, watching <laughs> as much yeah. as they try to not yeah. let them in that's yeah that's the scary part you know like because the one the one arrest our first arrest we had like the family was pretty heated so, they were very you know, upset. We kind of like skedaddled out of there, and we're like, "We're gonna well, work with you." I think that that <laughs> arrest, that arrest <laughs> actually went as well as it could have because yeah. at that point they weren't assigning BLS, and um, BLS actually like flagged themselves for the job because they were like a block away, yeah. and we also had CFRs like the firefighters came and and actually that company was really great. They like all suited up. They came in, and so. I mean, it was, it was like, you could tell the family was like fucking shocked. Like, and again, like this guy looked so healthy. I mean, I was on the phone with uh, like medical control, trying to get orders and looking around the house. And I'm like, you know, there's like healthy foods, juicer, like this guy probably took care of himself. And then unfortunately got COVID and like, you can, you can understand why the family would be so shocked that their dad just died in front of them, you know? And like, I think it was actually really lucky for us because the BLS crew ended up, because we had the firefighters, they did most of like the actual CPR and the BLS took really the initiative to talk to the family and to get information. So they kind of developed a rapport over the time that we were there so that by the time we did call it, um, 
I don't think that it was a complete shock anymore. And also like they kind of saw the BLS crew as like being on their side. Like it, it was like, I don't feel like we were met with the kind of resistance that we would have been met with otherwise if we didn't have all those people on the scene. Like, I think everybody did a really good job that day. You know what I mean? Everybody kind of took a role on and like really did it really well. But um, yeah, I think, I think for people like, it's like their family member suddenly being this ill that they're dying is like a huge shock. Like we had a DOA the other day. Remember that guy? He was like, he was probably my age. Like, you know, he's probably like in his late thirties, early forties. Oh, yeah. And, um, well, he wasn't the one in the rest. His, yeah, mom, his mom, his mom he was like 60. The guy left he, for an yeah, hour. He left to like maybe back. go to the store or whatever. And his mom, and his mom was okay. Yeah. And he came back and she was back. Yeah. Like GOA, like we got there and we we're like, whoa, like yeah. we didn't do anything for her. We just pronounced her and he was fucking like hysterical. You know what I mean? He was sitting on the stoop. He like when I said, I'm so sorry, like I'm sorry, you know. He was like, Why? Like, why did that happen? Like he could not wrap his head around, like, how the fuck did my mother die in the time that I left to now? You know, like it was for him like absolutely and so startling. so different from like from like having a a a family member that has like a patient that's um you know older or has a lot of medical issues yeah. and they're kind of expecting it or if it's like you know an accident or a trauma it's still shocking but it's like okay you kind of expect it yeah. but yeah how do you how do you explain to somebody like oh she was fine 5 minutes ago <laughs> whatever however long you left her yeah. and now she's gone like and unfortunately like you know I'm very big on like talking to the family and explaining to them. Like we, we had a, a couple where they were in bed sleeping. They had been married for, I don't know how many years, the cutest little couple. And like, I, I, I love old people. That's my thing. <laughs> so, so Like I really, really love old people. So I, I take time to like explain everything to them and like, just like be with them if they need to be, you know, comforted or whatever. And now it's so hard to do that. So these, these, this couple went to bed and when she woke up a couple hours later, he was gone. Yeah. So, you know, it's also the, the fact that it's been so busy. We can't stay on scene yeah, so can't. long. You gotta, you gotta even if, back you know, I wish I could stay here yeah. and like comfort her for like, you know, like she was my grandma, but that, that kind of like, it's kind of like taking the, the, the human part out of it. Like, yeah. That, that gets to me a lot like you know. and also everybody. you're you're That's wearing isolation gear you have a mask on no one can hear you yes so yes that's another thing you can't really touch people too much you know I, yeah. I usually try to like put my hand on someone's shoulder and like talk to them and like you know face to face like I, i'm looking at their eyes and like now i i have to almost like shout to be heard and so like trying to comfort yeah. family when you have all this gear on and you can't oh, really stuff, you have yeah. to have distance it's so sad. Like, I feel like it takes a lot to like leave that scene and you feel like you weren't able to give the other aspect of what we do, which is like this kind of emotional support, you know, right? because the family is like, they're just, still just, there, you know, they're still reeling from this like horrible situation. And, and unfortunately we can't offer them the support that we would have before, mm. you know? The other interesting thing is like the one, one way to be brought out, she, she was really sick. And then they have like another two people in the house. He was kind of sick. That last shot we did the other night. And they yeah. have like a baby. And it's just like, mm. this isn't going to stop. Because yeah. like the whole family's sick, you know, and we told him like, yo, close the room, open the window. But you know, if one person's sick in the house, the whole house is all sick. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like my neighbor, my neighbor got had it, you know. And he owns a restaurant. It's like, yo, where did you get this? 
you know, I don't, I don't know. So, so with as many calls um, as you guys are running, what is your, what are your decom procedures then? Since y'all are, if I don't, do you have any? Is it just like, eh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's a funny question. Yeah. I saw shower. Yep. Funny yeah, you should <laughs> ask. Yeah. I know. That's the new scent of the day. It's like. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like Bath yeah. and Body Works. Does that even kill the virus? Like, does that even help? I don't know. It makes you feel better. It makes me feel better about it with Lysol. It smells clean. It smells clean. Yeah. I mean, we're basically... We did the other day. It was like a Lysol shower, you know, Clorox wipes. Yeah, you're wiping down your equipment with Clorox. sleeves, my sleeves on my sweater are turning colors because I bleached the truck so much. Like, there's so many stains on my sweater now. Yeah. Yep. Maria, you're sort a of... freak. What are you doing? <laughs> I know Maria I'm a psycho loves... when it comes to cleaning. I'm like, you know, <laughs> on a regular day, I'll like I'll spend, you know, a good hour just cleaning, you know, out my bus and like organizing it and everything else. Like now it's like even worse. It's like yeah, like Lysol, Clorox, and then the other wipes on top of it, so you don't leave that film. <laughs> yeah. That residue. Oh, yeah, that's the other good thing is um Windex. Windex for stainless steel, it keeps the streaks off. Oh, shoot. There you but go. after after you've already bleached, because yeah, the reality the is, I don't think Windex is going to kill anything. Yeah. Greek, you just spray ammonia on it. Remember that from the wedding? Yeah. COVID, you just spray But that, but that is a good point. Like we don't have, we our call volume is so high that we really don't have the ability to like go back to the station each and every time that we have a COVID yeah. patient and like mm -hmm. decon our whole bus. Like we're sort of doing oh, this yeah. stuff at the hospital. Like we're yeah. kind of wiping everything down, spraying everything down. Mm -hmm. You know, you're wearing an isolation gown or whatever you're wearing, you take it off, you spray yourself with Lysol and then you just go about your business. And oh. like the reality is we might be pulling this virus along with us yeah. all day into people's homes. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that is what it is. You Neil, know? you've been in the in the uh -huh. season. Have you seen more people coming in for BBP lately, or are they staying out? You know, because like before, you know the deal. It's like after every call, I'm going out BBP. Are they like? Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you, are you giving yeah. away our secrets? What are you doing? I can't. I know. Everybody knows. <laughs> I know. He doesn't know. I'm like, there's a you chief know? listening, and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what you're doing. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh -oh. yeah, that's why you start every sentence with, well, per protocol. And then you that. That's going to make me captain real soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest. Um, uh, you're doing a great job. I mean, you're all doing a great job, and and like okay, honestly, we don't let's let's get the honest answer because Rush Boss is honest answers. <laughs> you see, are people staying out longer? Are they really, are they doing the right thing now? You know, like, not holding. Be, and this is this is this is an honest observation, um, and this is an observation over you know uh, since what 2012 since I became a lieutenant. Um, we shine. And we really um, do our best work when the shit is hitting the fan. And um, the shit is really, really hitting the fan now. Um, I mean, I don't have to tell you that. But, like, um, whenever we have, like, somebody, a situation where there's a snowstorm or any kind of real crisis that's going on in the city, um, people really tighten up. 
you know, they know the rules, they know how to, how to act, how they're supposed to do their job. And I've actually seen less BBPs, hmm. believe it or not, than a normal day. Yeah. And that's because people are just deconning at hospitals. Yeah. Um, I think that people are um, um, uh, deconning throughout the day and, and, and putting the extra effort in to, so that because they know that they're needed. Uh, I think the crews, the BLS crews, the ALS crews, they know that they're needed. They know they're going to get hit with a job right away. They know that there's jobs holding and um, they're deconning and, and as their, their partners in, inside, you know, getting, you know, triage the patient or whatever, the driver of the truck is actually bleaching everything down and, you know, spraying everything and Lysoling and like, you know, doing what they got to do to yep. try to be, be, unless it's like some kind of gross decon. Yep. Where your COVID patient explodes. <laughs> Poor Neil, yo, first night the COVID patient explodes on him. Um, He came back wearing like an undershirt. You you should have heard him on the radio. He's like all winded and shit. I'm like, yo, it's been that long. (laughs) (laughs) Back with no shirt on. I'm like, yo, what happened? Wow, Pete, throwing Neil under the bus. I'm sorry, it was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And that's, I mean, that was kind of my, it was my fault and not my fault. So like there's things yeah. I can control and there's some things I can't. I mean, I, I wasn't the one intubating the patient. I mean, maybe it was a difficult intubation, but obviously it went down uh, the, the esophagus the first time. So yeah, you know, yeah I, there was going on. Shower. Oh hey, you know that's how it goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know that's part of the job. You know, uh, but you know I think that you know. <laughs> You, you guys are, are doing a great job and like, you know, uh, um, you know, the city and, and, you know, the United States as a whole, uh, you know, it, you know w- without you guys, you know, the, the, this, uh, you know, we would be in a bad situation yeah. and like you guys, you guys overall are doing an amazing job and like, you know, we're all pretty proud of you and like, I hope, hopefully the civilians, all over the country are educated a little bit more about what we do and appreciate us a little bit more. Um, and hopefully we get the recognition and the pay that we deserve across the country, really. So yeah, for everybody, you know, hopefully everybody gets something out of this, you know? Yeah. So, and they appreciate Andy. Um, how, how, how are you guys doing um, in terms of like uh, people that are out at your stations and stuff? Uh, I mean, for us, like, I, I think so. I was out for two weeks, and yeah. Pete was out for almost a week, and then we came back, and then, like, the other crew that comes on at the same time, one half of them is out, and yeah. now another half from another crew. I feel like, you know, unfortunately, we're just, we're all exposed to this. Um, you know, it is what it is. Like, I, I think, like, our crew at the station every day we're sort of like losing one and then maybe one's coming back you know what i mean like so i don't know neil you might it's kind of like a like a circle like a vicious circle yeah Yeah. Um, but i think it's kind of interesting and scary um we have we had a couple people out and so it's like like you're saying it's like you know two people come back and then another two go out um at first nobody was getting tested right and we were doing that whole survey online about any uh symptoms today at the beginning of the tour and at the end of the tour and now they like gone away from that and now you're supposed to monitor your own uh if you have a fever or whatever 
and people are like getting tested to see if they're positive and yes um after a while their symptoms go away but nobody's getting tested to like see if they're negative time. yeah i didn't so i i i uh, was talking to this one kid at my station and he's a little bit of a princess to be honest <laughs> so um i thought he was like exaggerating and throwing a little bit of a hissy fit but then when i started talking to him He's like, oh, okay, so-and-so just got back, and they picked up overtime with me because my partner's out with COVID. Mm -hmm. So he goes, um, not for nothing, I have two uh, family members at home with uh, cancer, and they're both on chemo. So yeah. what's, what, what, what's it, like, you know, what protection or what, you know, mm -hmm. is it even worth it for me to come in and do this? Yeah. You know, it's like, um, and all of a sudden, like one of the chiefs walked by or whatever and like, oh, you guys are doing an outstanding job and this and that. And I was like, oh, well, why are you here? You know, listen to this. Don't yeah. send the letter. I heard they sent the letter. Why aren't they coming out and saying hi to us? Well, Mar well I mean, Maria, you work in the division. So like you do yeah. see the chiefs, like for us. Yeah, no, but like they're not, they're not even, they haven't been out that much. Like this yeah, was like a random person that was, <laughs> Just kind yeah. of grabbed up, you know, like, hey, you're yeah. here. Let's, let me tell you something. Yeah. So I was like, hey, come over here and uh, listen to this. And, you know, she's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring that concern to the uh, doctors. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't really give us much of a, a solution to this. If you're going to bring a concern to them, he, this kid still is going to work with this, you know, with this other person that potentially, depending on what you look at, there's studies that say you can have symptoms for up to 90 days even. Yikes. So and didn't didn't they didn't they bring release something saying that even if you do test positive but are asymptomatic you're still supposed to come to work or is yeah. yeah yeah that now they're just doing away with like forget about everything else it's like if you have a fever and you're fever free for a couple of days uh come back so, well that's did, that's what happened days. for me yeah I I was sick for 13 days like I was so so sick. And luckily, I didn't have a lot of respiratory issues. I had some coughing, sore throat. My ears were like, I couldn't hear. But I had horrible GI distress, like where I lost seven pounds in a week. Wow, and yeah. like, I was extremely sick. And then basically, they said like, okay, well, you can come back on this day if you haven't had a fever in three days. And I hadn't had a fever in like three days. But I mean, up until two days before I went back to work, I was still, I slept like 14 hours a day like both of those days leading up to my first tour back because I felt so exhausted, so weak and so tired. And like, I wasn't sure how I was going to survive that first tour. And we did Adam, seven, hi Adam. We did, uh, he's probably looking to get his, his microphone set up. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah. did, we did 17 hours our first tour and I went home and I was like, my throat hurts and I don't feel good. But I was like, I'm I'm just, doing a full Hispanic I think I'm just like, tired. I know. Little he thing, was... I was like, yo, I got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I had Taco Bell and I'm like, oh shit, I had COVID. I know. No, really, he definitely, every time I talked to Pete during that time when I was off, he's like, I have this migraine. And I don't know. I coughed like twice. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, okay. That's what we were doing. Like, I, you know, I'm like, you'll see that, like, people are going to call, and they're like, oh, I have this, I have that, and nobody takes time, in New York City, at least, nobody takes Tylenol, and they don't realize yeah. that they can just take Tylenol, and some cough syrup, and some mucinex, and control that fever, and control uh -huh. it, and like, yeah, no, that's the same here, we, we get like plenty of people, yeah, they're like, you do know you have OTC meds for this, right, yes. I don't know what you're calling right. us. 
They're know, all scared. They're, all, the, all, the over t- all the Tylenol's gone. Everyone's too scared. Really? Yeah. But they're all it. The same you know, with the masks, whoever, everything up, Tylenol, masks, whoever, whoever, whoever bought the, 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 the toilet paper. Yeah. Straight up serious. I mean, Julianne, Julianne was sick. She wanted me to get her Tylenol. I went to two different uh, CVS in the area, and they were all sold out. Can you hear yeah. me? Wait, yeah, I can hear you. There, you can hear no, me now? Yeah. All right. Hey, guys. Sorry, I'm late. I'm switching okay. back to night, so I'm all jacked up. That's okay. But yeah, Neil, was it Anne-Marie who bought me Tylenol from upstate or something? In New York, they had it. I mean, I mean, she was already up there. She was coming down, and I asked her, and she got it, and that's where the Tylenol came from. Thank and God. It is, buddy down here is, is literally hoarding it. I mean, and, and it's not, it's not, you can't really say that it's the people that had it at the time. I mean, this is many, many these are people that were seriously concerned and they said oh i'm gonna like stockpile this tylenol just in case something happened and it it literally to the point now if you go into a cvs they say that you're only allowed one bottle per per person or family so i mean it's just it's just crazy you know you know saying hey listen you could stay home with some tylenol yeah you know, in New York's in the New York City region, it is is a little bit um, easier said than done. Yeah. So you get to go to a bodega. I know the bodega has it. Yeah, but so. I mean, some of them do. It depends. Yeah. Like, but it's made in China. No, <laughs> New York face our N95s are made in China. I bet you're all like scented with COVID, and they're just like, <laughs> we're gonna Peter, Peter, Peter. 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 No, but is, I, yeah, everything everything we're wearing is made in China. The, the masks, like, the a, gowns, everything. There's the a YouTube video where this uh, this woman who's actually testing out a lot of those N95s and surgical masks, and she compares them to the ones that are made in the U.S. So there are some that are made in the U.S. Yeah. And the comparison shows that the the ones made in the U.S. are actually much better um, seal wise and oh. and uh, I guess particle wise. Uh, the ones in the U.S. are much better than the ones. In, in China, but I'm sure the ones in the U.S. you can't even find anymore, like yeah, the ones that are made in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, maybe this will bring some business back to the United States after this because we, you know, we do kind of like, I don't know, we get stuff from elsewhere. Maybe this will bring stuff back home, you know, but yeah, I don't know. It's the it's whole really- like hoarding of things has yeah. been, I found that people hoarded like, so, you know, we don't have hair nets anymore with isolation kits that we got. So I went on Amazon today to try and buy them. And it was like, literally I was just going down a list and I was like, no longer in stock, no longer in stock, no longer in stock. Like there's no hair nets or hair ties, like all those, you know, for surgery, like what doctors wear, like who have, you know, hair that they tie back. Those are not available. Like there's nothing you have available. Any friends that are lunch ladies? Maybe I know. Are. I mean, when we went to White, <laughs> we went to Wyckoff Hospital the other day, and we got a few. Like, thanks. oh, I had to do something to get those. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't free, right? <laughs> to get Peter, what did I you have to do? I, I know. I never take vital signs. <laughs> oh, okay, you're getting paid for that. I thought he was gonna say I never take my clothes off, but I, I know. Not for her. Not for her. <laughs> like I took a nurse on a date. But I mean, but that's the thing. And like, I have them, but I don't have tons of them. They're disposable. I mean, 
And like, mm-hmm. it's one thing to wear them on like a regular job, but if you wear them on an arrest and you know, there's going to be particulates and everything like you got, you throw that out, you know, you're not going to put that back on your head. Um, it'd be like wearing the same gloves or something, you know? And I feel like when we went to the hospital the other day, a lot of the women there, I was like, Oh, nice hat. Like they had basically cut some of the isolation gowns and sort of like formed these head things out of them to kind of keep their mm-hmm. hair back. But I'm like, even that I'm like, people are hoarding. Right, now we're going to be out of gowns. Nice going. No, but they're, like they're sitting on their couch with a freaking mask on and a hairnet. Yeah. Oh, I saw yeah. a guy driving to work the other day. He had a convertible with an N95 on. Oh, <laughs> 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 what are you doing, bro? Like, you got some <laughs> with an N95. I'm like, yo, no, you're no, that works. Oh, my God. Adam, what's in Pittsburgh, man? What do you guys got going over there? Sorry, sorry, I'm late, guys. Are you guys all from New York, I imagine? No, Ian's, no, from, Florida. Ian's from Florida. Everybody else is from city. Okay, I got the screen up. This Zoom thing is all new to me, so I'm sorry. I'm like, I just, I just like switch back from daylight to the night, and I'm like sleeping at seven o'clock at night. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm all night people. All night people. So we're just if I if I look like hell, I'm sorry. So (laughs) that's why. Normally, I probably look like hell, but um, nothing's really going on here that much. It's not. It's not really that bad. Is it bad down in Florida, Ian? Um, I was telling the guys earlier though, it's it's not as bad as New York. <laughs> not as bad as most people are uh, most places. We're getting a lot of symptomatic people, but we're still waiting for a lot of testing to come back. So yes and no. Well, I mean, down there, it, it's probably like, you know, it's God's waiting room with like, you know, all the Oh, no. population didn't you that say, wasn't that you wasn't who who told me that that was pete pete that told me that god's yeah. waiting room right yeah but it's, it's exactly what it is pretty much yeah um, i doubt blame pete see julie I, I i get it from you like i just it automatically goes to pete now well listen you're not wrong this is this is how we defer things like it's always pete saying some zany shit I so so like sort of like yeah. uh and then he's Neil shaking his head. Clean up the mess. The mess. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna be their lieutenant anymore. <laughs> like what my partner's trying to say is uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah my dad uh, lives in I, Florida and I keep telling him, I'm like, please stop going out. Please stop going out. Like my where, dad lives where? he's a little further south. He's in um uh, Delray Beach. Okay. So so, I mean, like, it is happening, but I just keep saying, like, please don't, you know, don't go to Publix, like, send someone to go to Publix. Like, he has a home health aid that comes a couple days a week, and my dad likes to go out, and then my dad tells me wacky stuff, like, well, I've lived a good life. I'm like, no, 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 we're not there yet, man. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So- I feel like it's just really starting to to enter into Pittsburgh. Like that's what I've been getting the sit rep emails from now is like, it's just starting to get here. If that makes sense. Like I just dressed out and whatever it is, Tyvek suit and everything for the first mm-hmm. time yesterday or the day before for, for a patient. But we haven't seen nearly like, it's not like you guys, like our call volume. I was talking to a guy who's, uh, well, he's my best friend. He's down in Fairfax, Virginia. And he says their call volume has gone down too. Like our call volume has gone down. Um, night turn, it's still – night turn seems like it's still busy, but daylight is ridiculous with how 
like Jeez. slow it is. Knock on wood. Bro. I know, Before knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know if this like social distancing stuff that they're putting into everybody's head is actually working, but I feel like in New York City, I was talking to, to my best friend again, and he, I was saying, like, man, like, it's not bad where I'm at, it's not bad where you're at, but, like, he's like, yeah, that's because we're not New York City, where our population's, like, ridiculous, like, everybody's, yeah. there's so many people in New York City, it's just, like, you're, you're ass to elbows with everybody, you know, like, it's, yeah. that's, that's crazy, yeah. it's, it's not, Apparently, Newark is just as bad, Newark's getting, um, FEMA help, they're coming in, um, I thought Dan was going to come on here. He's in Holy Name in Bergen County, and he said Bergen County is crazy. So mm. it's, like, just as bad as we have it in the city. So um, it's, it's crazy. It's, I, I think, think it's, like, everything north of the Driscoll Bridge, you know, is pretty bad. So, Well, we're in a densely populated area. People live in apartment buildings. So it's one thing if you live in a house and your house is separated from the neighbors around you and you adhere to that social distancing rule and you know maybe you go out to mow your lawn or something but for new yorkers particularly people who have like kids home from school because our schools are closed like if you've got two or three kids in your apartment you want to get them out into the fresh air so people are still going out but what ends up being a problem is that people are going out like as if this is not a thing you know, like maybe because it hasn't personally affected them yet. Like we worked this weekend and it was beautiful on Sunday and you drive past any New York City public park and it's like a fucking picnic. You know what I mean? Like people are like, oh, dope. It's spring. You know, yeah. like let's hang out. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's actually supremely dangerous and like asshole-ish because now you're going to go home. You're going to press the elevator button. You're going to go to your mailbox and touch the mailbox. You're going to touch the railing. And your elderly neighbor, who's got a bunch of turn into a cat. <laughs> what's that? He'll turn into a cat. Oh, weird. Uh, but he got that's and he turned into a cat. You know, I mean, like we have these older people, and and like we keep hearing the same thing over and over. People are like, oh, but they haven't been out of the house. You know, they haven't been out of the house. Like I, I just, you know, I go and get groceries, but I wear a mask. And it's like, yeah, but everybody, yeah, every, oh. or the gloves that you wear oh to everything God. in the world. Ooh. Julia, um, I have to tell you that that subway creatures thing that you saw on the, oh, the yeah. oh my god, it is gold. That is gold. Uh, That's I know. Gold. Do you all yeah, do you know, know about subway creatures? Yeah, that. And then yeah. I sent my wife a picture of uh, the the one with the dog, the little chihuahua thing. With the, <laughs> the mascot. Yeah. 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 If yeah. anybody here doesn't know. If you go on Instagram and you go to Subway Creatures, it is like the most amazing Instagram page. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because it's yeah. true. It's, it's funny because it's true. true. Like these are literal pictures that people have taken of people on the subway and yeah. it is astounding. And this is like, you know, if you live in New York, like you see is this that all the time. Like the Normal you, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's like the people of Walmart, <laughs> except it's yeah. like, you know, the yeah, subways oh, subway in New York people. City. Oh, subway, yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is, it's wonderful. Uh, highly recommended New York City I don't know like two two years ago or something like that and uh, Marissa knows how to use the subway system and everything I, I have no idea how to do that so I, that was my first time getting that like whole that that thing that that experience down to the subway yeah. and I had always heard about like rats and everything and how big <laughs> they are. I took a picture of the one like it, was, it looked like the size of my dog like it was huge. It was huge. They're huge. They are. 
Did you get a rat I killed? Yeah. As you know about rats, Neil paid overtime for that. Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That rat was no joke. I'm at that too. I don't give a shit. I said, uh, (laughs) run out of here. I said, I'll pay somebody overtime to kill this rat. (laughs) Yo, that rat, that was a big rat. It, It was. It was like the size of a cat. And it, it had literally no fear. So I think that's the thing, too. The dark rats are, like, not afraid of humans. So, like, they just come out. Like, they don't – they're not afraid. They don't scatter. Nope. Like, they're, like, 15 pounds heavy. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Let me find – I'm going to send you guys a video. This is – The bodega one? Nah, the one from the, from the kitchen where I whacked that rat with the cane. Yeah, this is – no animal rights people should see this. It's no, pretty true. awful. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's, uh, have, you guys been, have you guys been mandated a lot? Or I know you said the first date back, Julie, that you guys – Oh, Dwayne knows about the mandation life. I What's know. The, what do you got? Oh, holding you? I mean, I'm happy I'm off tomorrow. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for me doing overtime today, I, I'm sure I would have been mandated today as well. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, I think yeah, I as, as soon as as soon as everything happened, I made it. You know, I'm not too much of an overtime whore, but uh, it was like I, I feel like I have to do overtime just to help out half of the other crews that are, yeah, that are just so that they don't get mandated. You know, if if yeah. I could voluntarily come in and not upset my wife, then I, I will do so. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I worked, I worked last weekend, and they held us every single day. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's twelve hours, and then the first day we got a late job too. So I worked. I was there eighteen hours. Went oh home. But now so I worked, slept for two hours, and had to work the rest of the weekend and do the same thing. Yeah, wow. but now with this this new thing, uh, apparently we're required to get mandated at once a week or so, or once every other week or something like. Oh, with the twelves, it's once every other week. I don't know how it is with yeah. the eights, but but um. And all the eight-hour people for twelve. And say that again. They're holding all the eight-hour people. Everybody who's up, yeah. is, yeah. they're holding them for four hours extra. Well, I think Pete and I, by the end of our week, in the four days, we had already covered 60 hours. And in the, in the five days, it was like something like 74 hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was really shot. I mean, I spent yesterday being a bum. Like, I literally yeah. did nothing. Yeah. yeah, that first day off is always like just recovery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not a real day off. Yeah. yeah. Ian, yeah, how many exactly. jobs do you do on a regular day? And you're because you guys do twenty fours, right? Yeah, we do twenty fours. Um, so I'm at a pretty big house. We have two suppression units and and two rescues, um, which are our ambulances. So um, our part we're, we're we're one and the same. So fire department does our transports as well. We're all cross trained, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, um, but our rescue will run. 12 to 18 transports a shift in a 24-hour period um i've been on it before and run in the 20s before on random wow days. yeah and both of our suppression units have been known to run high 20s low 30s before and that's that's, that's, that's pre-covid that's before that's pre-COVID. pre-covid yes sir yeah wow yeah wow. They've actually put that back. Our call volume for the suppressions have gone down because they won't send the suppression units on anything unless it's mm. confirmed, like cardiac arrest or something like that. Yeah. So has the rescue call volume gone up because of that, or it? I want to say it kind of evens out because 
their calls take longer now because it's just the two uh-huh. of them, you know, as opposed to the six or whatever. Nice. But so their calls are taking longer. And a, a part of our new decom procedure is, again, if any patient has so much as a cough or a fever, um, after you finish deconning yourself, a captain comes out and we have a, a little mister thing called an aeroclave that he hooks up and it basically oh. mists the whole rest of Is that that bug fogger looking thing? Yeah, yeah, like a yeah, bug Yeah, we fogger. have one of those in my station now. So. Nice. Yeah, so cool. after, every, after every COVID call or suspected, you know, alert call, he, he has to come out and mist the entire rescue. He's wow. I, I, I don't mean to take too much time. are getting... What, what's the what's what's the details of your your so these this decon happens at, just for covid calls or just in general like after yeah our new protocol is just for the suspected covid calls so my department's gone ex- extremely broad with uh, we're not getting as far as i know we're not getting a lot of confirmed covid cases right now which is why i'm thinking we're gonna get caught up with it within the next week or so so we're just running a lot of people with symptoms so basically my department said if anyone has a fever or a cough just by itself you treat it like it's a covid patient and so that that automatically right there means a captain call out and he'll meet us at the at the hospital for that what's the decon process for 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 that like uh you said it takes a while so i'm assuming it's a lot of different you know steps and processes that that take place it's actually not bad it's actually just like a two button system to hook in but it's about i think they said it's a it's a 10 minute mist and then you have to let it sit for 20 minutes and then you have to go out for like 10 minutes so is this still while you're suited up or just in your regular uniform? No, this, yeah, this is once everyone, uh, both crew, crew members decon. This is after you wipe everything down with the Clorox bleach. This is after the initial decon, then the captain, while, you know, you're stripping down out of your PPE and stuff, the captain hooks this up and then it's an extra, you know, 20, 25 minutes after that. Wow. Yeah, we're out of service for, for like three hours total. What? Yeah, we get a three hours? What? From start what to heck? finish. From start to finish. From like start of the call to like getting back in service. Wow. That's, that's a they call oh, it. Yeah. Sni- I don't know if what what they call yours, but it, it's called a sniper unit for us. It's like a. Pa- it looks like a big power wash system, and they go. Wow. And they get the, the hell out of here. Wow. Sure. Yeah, they spray you, they spray all the things, and you have to wait till it dries, and you Clorox and bleach and everything. It's- I feel like, I mean, and I'm not saying, like, this is 100% going to change for you guys, but I do feel like as this moves further west and further south, like, there, you guys be might, blue ha- you might have to it's challenge, it <laughs> might change, because the reality is, I mean, like, we're, like, even our RMAs, we're going into people's homes who are positive for COVID, yep. basically, are calling us because they're like, I just feel really weak. I don't feel good. And they're like, yeah, you have to go out BVP after an RMA, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like we literally were like, okay, do you want to go to the hospital? Because you probably shouldn't, you should probably yeah, stay yeah, here. Yeah. And then we like maybe take their vitals and then we go back in our truck and just like go available. Yeah. That's it. yeah we don't, we don't have like a decon process. Our decon process is whatever the crew themselves feel is, is necessary. So yeah. us wiping it down, us, you know, if we want to spray Lysol on ourselves, we can't like, yeah. we, there's no supervisors trying to help us out. There's no decon process, no, 
no, no, yeah, no out of no out of service time. I mean, really, no, like that's yeah, rushing us to get back. I mean, yeah. again, I, I understand because the call volume is so high, but you know, after 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes or so, they're calling us right. saying, please go available. Yeah. 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 Normally that would be with us too. 20 minutes, you get dispatched, bugging yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, it's the thing. I think we're gonna see a lot of change because you know there's a lot of people with these crazy. I won't say crazy, but they are crazy to us. Like these decon procedures, and when it gets that busy, I just wonder. I think they're gonna fall to the wayside. And it's like, yeah. what is the minimum of the best to clean your truck? You know, like you can't scrub every single. I know. Thing That's why we, we I don't have, even think. I don't even think they put best in that conversation. I know. I mean, I think that was the thing. Like at the beginning of our week, I, you know, I told our lieutenant like I need some wipes. He gave me Clorox wipes. They were gone like four days later. Mm. You know, like um, I brought my own Lysol. I mean, we had some Lysol, but I brought my own Lysol to like we. I left our ambulance soaking wet for the next crew. Yeah. <laughs> like the other day, I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, give it 20 minutes. Everything's wet. I'm sorry. Like I, cause I sprayed everything <laughs> down because was, the seats, the steering wheel, like every single, the seat everything. belt that we use, yeah. everything, everything I coated with Lysol. At the end of every tour, I, I find myself just leaving half of the, the, the cords hanging on the ceiling bar just to, yeah, to dry know, off. Just to dry door. off. Right. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys wear anything other than masks in these houses it depends on the call yeah we got like, do you have any other ppe though i mean so so technically no we don't we the the protocol for us is literally just the n95 and i think that you have the option of putting a surgical mask on top of the n95 yeah. but that that's us but a lot of us you know we we provide our own stuff like we we try to get our own masks and things like that because we just don't feel comfortable yeah. with with just well for me personally i just don't feel comfortable you feel with better doing the, the, the n95 is like you know is like now it's like they're running low so you're only supposed yeah. to wear it if mm -hmm. you have a cardiac arrest or you're using cpap and they're they're taking cad numbers to see on what jobs you did yeah, like so it's like a one for one swap. One for yeah. one. Yeah. Yes. Like even a gown, like you have to provide a CAD number to get another gown. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We're going out with like four. And I was talking, you know, to my kid's mom. They start their shift with 10 gowns. So wow. Like, 10 gowns. Wow. 10 gowns, Meanwhile, we're like, like wow. we put the gown on to a call that comes in as like yeah. something, like a DOA. We gown up. Okay. Then you go we in. didn't really touch them. So we're going to Yeah, that's it. I'm like, like, oh, the person's dead already? Okay. <laughs> I'll just get some paperwork ready and I'll take my gown off and yep. hang it over the thing so I can wear it on the next call because like Oh, that's not happening, Julie. You're much better than me. I'm definitely throwing that out. That's, that's No, not, I, I can't I can't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> but that's and then, we like, stage our gowns too. Like when we start the day, like we open them up and we stuff them in the net. So like, yeah. I, feel, I feel bad. When you pull up, yeah. you got to put the gown on and the gloves. Yeah, yeah it takes forever. Yeah, people are waiting for us to get into yeah. the That's how it is with us doing these up. cases. Yeah. yeah. Like, if we get, we, I don't know if you're, are your dispatchers asking, like, screening questions before you get there? Yeah. yeah. No, they ask too many questions. No, they ask too many questions. You know, yeah, because we ours, if ours come up, like, that we meet, it meets criteria that we, and it's not, like, a, high acuity call we we can gown up before we go in there yeah and that that's that's like a culture change because you have to get dressed a little bit and then you have to go in kind of thing it's not like like just walking in like we yeah. usually do kind of yeah. so then i i had a another lieutenant tell me uh the other day that i shouldn't gown up 
until it's confirmed that it's an arrest. No, thanks. So I, I it's too late. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I don't understand how that works. Am I supposed to walk in without the gown first, see it's an arrest, walk out, and then, then gown go, up? Like, yeah. I said, I don't care how many gowns you waste in, in your box at the desk, but I'm gowning yeah. up before I even go. Yeah. It's, it's we have, we have uh, in our house bags, we have gowns, eye protection, N95s, and the top sleeve. So if we get into a critical call where we do need to gown up, then we can just grab them out of the thing and gown up there. Mm -hmm. um, what are you guys doing for um, eye protection? Because, you know, uh, our, our lieutenant supposedly asked us if we have those goggles that we got like, when we became EMTs. And I'm like... <laughs> Hi, um, I have no idea where that thing went. I'm like, I don't have one of those. So I, I had a pair of like, you know, yeah, glasses or whatever. And they're like, oh no, you're not allowed to wear those. You gotta wear the goggles. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, but they, they don't even give us goggles, do they? No, when, never when, you, when, when that was, you know, a long time ago. Well, when you when you got your EMT bag back, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's in the that, bottom of my tech. That's like 14 years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah exactly. Girl. You know, I don't and, even know where that is. And even like our PPE gear, I had the the flip down visor. So when I came back from childcare leave, I was like, oh, everybody has these cool goggles. I, <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you got to go up to quartermaster. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have time to do that. You know, yeah, so like so I just had the visor and, and I still don't have goggles. I'm like, I might try to order some on but I, I think it's Amazon I think it's, to go over these. But. Yeah, I think it's just I, I mean just us the fire the the fire department like because uh, I I work for the voluntary also outside uh, for for Maimonides and they give us goggles every shift mm. so they mm. give us the N95. Oh wow! Goggles. But it's weird they only give you one for the day so even if you know I use it for a, a you know I use it for my first call as a COVID patient again I'm not using that N95 again so. It's, yeah. it's sort of, but the goggles, I can, you know, I can definitely disinfect those Wait. and then put those back on and everything else. You get one N95 for the day? Because I know, like, the, the wow. privates are getting, like, one one thing, you know? I like, mean, I haven't worked there in about three or four weeks, so maybe it's changed, but the last yeah. time I worked, it was, they gave me that one for that shift, and that was it. Like, I couldn't get another one. Yeah. There's a county around here, um, the county I actually live in right now, I was told their fire departments are getting one N95. One and ninety-five per truck, and then what? they have to yeah, and then they have to reuse them. But you gotta share what? it too. Like here, yeah, brother, I like, take the time up, rock paper back. We're sorry, rookie. Here you go. Yes, oh my god! <laughs> god. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah, that's wow. awful. Yo, the lawsuit at this thing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, crazy. Not just us, but like the hospitals, Everybody. like New York City itself. I mean, it's unfortunately people are gonna be very upset. Like, God forbid. I mean, like, there's there's people, I heard a story at one of the hospitals the other day, they were saying one of the nurses who worked at this hospital, her husband, like, doesn't, he works, like, with nursing homes, but basically he's a manager, oh, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't go and deal with patients in any way, shape, or form, his wife works at the hospital, and he got COVID, and he oh. died, Yeah. like, she found him in cardiac arrest, and I'm like, so, you know, she. Oh, wait, so the worst part about this whole story is the body stayed on the floor for a day. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the other thing you guys don't at home. We didn't at yeah. her home. At her home. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, is right now the ME is twenty four to forty eight hours behind coming to pick up body. Yeah. So does that mean PD is waiting on the body for oh, about? No, oh, they were for pictures. 
they're and taking so a they picture and I guess they're sending yeah, and then they leave. a number. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Because that was they the thing. The, they, they leave the body there. Oh, yeah. Yep. They well, leave like, the body there. There's nobody to pick up these bodies. And, and the really sad thing is, I mean, let's, let's face it, like if this is a COVID patient, you know, like once that point comes where your sphincters relax, like you're just releasing all your inside juices onto your bed, you know, like now your family has to sort of deal with this like hazmat situation, basically. Yeah. I mean, it would be a hazmat situation anyway, but like now you have these civilians who are dealing with their loved one that's dead. They have to leave their loved one, like close the door, let them be in there for 24 hours. And all that shit is like leaking out into or they're on the living room floor. Or, or in their bedroom or wherever, you know? So this was, uh, I mean, Ian and Adam, I don't, I don't know if you guys know, but, you know, for, for, for us, when we're, whenever we pronounce somebody and say that it is in a home, we have to sort of, an EMS crew has to stay with that body until PD shows up. And then I guess in the past, what used to happen, PD used to stay there until ME showed up. So uh, I, I bring that up. Yeah. yeah. So I bring that up to say that today we actually had a patient. And again, I, we waited on PD. Uh, for about three hours on this body for P to show up. Um, wow. Now, during the process of that three hours, again, same thing that, that Julie had said, you know, the lady had defecated all over her bed, her the, the floor, everything was all over the place. So we were working around shit, literally working around shit the whole time. So when we pronounced, we, uh, we stayed with the body. The, the family was very, I, I guess it was part of their religion. They were very, very adamant about uh, cleaning up the body. They wanted yeah. to, to clean it up and make sure that, you know, she went in, in, in a clean way. You know what I mean? Um, technically, we're not allowed to allow them to, to mess with the body until PD gets there. Again, after like an hour or so, they kept hounding us. Can we clean up the body? Can we clean up the body? Two hours went by. I told them we're just going to step outside the door and listen, whatever happens once, once, you know, we step out the door is, is whatever happens, but we couldn't, we couldn't deny them that after three hours, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was that was a tough scenario too, especially being there for three hours and they wanting to clean up the body. That's yeah. awful. You know what I mean? Like it's even awful. waiting like a half hour. Yeah. Three hours we were on that body. That's crazy, yeah. bro. So like what, what is it me and, me, Pete, and Joel we were talking about it last night before I went to bed. Um, you guys were saying CPAP. I, I don't know what you guys talked about, too, so I'm sorry that I'm late to all this. No, no, I'm just okay. curious. What is everybody presenting, like, like these uh, patients? All right. So I, I, I'm interested, because that's something that I'm not, like, familiar with right now, because we're just getting into, like, seeing them for the first time. What are they all presenting with? Bizarro symptoms. Yeah. It's like <laughs> so, the clear, clear ones, yeah. Really low pulse ox, high heart rate. I'll be right back. I have to get my right. charger and a drink. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so it's but like, yeah, it's, it's Adam, low like, and they're they're normal. Like yeah, they're, like they're, they're warm, normal. they're mentating normally, they're talking to you, they're alert and oriented, and then you start taking their vitals and you put them on the pulse ox and it starts blasting that alarm and you look and they're sitting at like sixty four, and you're like, what the fudge? Or even lower. And they're totally mentating. I'm going to hit this button and see what happens if we go live on Facebook. <laughs> Let's see what happens. No! No? Uh -huh. no we don't want to go live. Yeah, why not? Then we have to censor. Then we have to censor. No, no, no. That's true. It's no, recording anyway, so it doesn't, you know. But it's, it is weird. And I feel like one of the things that we're seeing is that for a lot of these patients, particularly like older patients, they're at home with their loved ones for like a week doing okay like they feel crappy 
but like they just have a fever and they go for like five days, eight days, 10 days. And their family thinks like, well, surely they're going to get better soon, right? It's been 10 days. And then on day 11, they're fucking calling us because their loved one's about to go into respiratory arrest. Yeah. Like they're tachypnic, like 40 breaths a minute. They're freaking purple. They're cyanotic. Like you've never, like cyanosis where you're like, that guy's blue. Like you can see it from the doorway. Like their face is blue. Their hands are blue. Yeah. And and then you're like trying to dick, like deal with that. And they're actually they're saying that conscious. like they're still conscious though but yes they're, they're still not conscious. like it's not like a hypoxic rage no but still, i've been reading normal conscious like normal everything conscious. seems normal yeah yeah they're yeah. just like help me help me i can't breathe i can't yeah. breathe yeah. and by that point like they're not not probably gonna have a positive outcome unfortunately yeah. like so they go to the you, hospital and that's kind of it you know the interesting thing that i heard you guys say last night is that you, if you see them it's making them worse yeah yeah i don't know what that yeah. i don't know why i don't know why uh, what do you I, do? I, like what you just what do you guys do like there's honestly, how can you help them the hospitals are just tubing them that's it and yeah. for us because, because our mean, protocol is like we have to call for sedation it's sometimes deep it's down, not worth it the, the, deep down like i mean thinking further into it if cpap the cpap doesn't work then tubing isn't really going to work either like it's yeah. it's, it's yeah, still i i i saw a link somewhere for like another study and they were they were talking about how actually tubing them is making it worse and like killing them really uh, very so yeah that I've was seen, another another theory i'm not i mean i'm maybe it's just the cpr that that's being done but i've seen the capnography drop drastically fast after tubing yeah. somebody yeah. to yeah. Um, yeah in a cardiac arrest as well yeah. But that's that's why they're saying like they're having these studies in the hospital that for a lot of these patients they're proning them because they have more surface area of the lungs to oxygenate and because when you lie someone supine basically all that fluid gravitates towards their airway and all this other shit like anything in their stomachs or anything in their lungs it just kind of spreads out when you lie them um, prone that doesn't really happen. They kind of put them in like a reverse Trendelenburg, like not, you know, they're not in like a semi Fowler's, like you're literally putting them in a reverse Trendelenburg. So they're kind of on an angle so that all the fluid stays low. And because they're on their chest, I mean, obviously hey, so chest rise. Remember we had those people, they're like super short of breath and they just want to lay flat. Which yeah. Is completely different. Really? Yeah. Yes, so yes. Like we had a bunch of people like we're laying them flat. You always want to sit them up right away, right? Yeah. yeah. But they so. feel like better when they're laying down. And then once we sit them up and we start moving them, like holy crap, they like decompensate <laughs> like really <laughs> badly. Yeah. And I mean that poor guy the other day we had to carry him down like I don't know, three flights of stairs. Three and flights. it's funny, like, it's funny you, you know, say trying that trying to reach out and yeah. yeah, it's funny you say that. The 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 last cardiac arrest that we had today, the uh the daughter was saying that she was feeding her mother. Um, and she was laying down, but mm-hmm. as she told her to sit up while I continue to feed her. And as soon as she sat up, she went into respiratory arrest, wow. and cardiac arrest right away. So mm-hmm. it was, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have put two and two together until having this conversation. It's a really, I guess, because all the, it's not just this like fluid overload. I guess like all the cytokines are kind of like um, attacking the lungs and causing all this fluid backup, but like the tissue is degrading or something too. So there's like all this shit like in the lungs. And I think when they're lying flat, maybe there's more surface area covered, I guess, or mm. like it's not as bad. Whereas if they sit up now, they're like almost full of the shit. You know what I mean? Like 
So it seems like we have no defense, even for the underlying aspect. Even even if you know someone has COVID, granted, we thought that we can still fix some of the issues that were presented. But now it seems like that's, that's not even the case anymore. <laughs> Marie, your dog's adorable. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> she wants to be in on this uh, Zoomy. Oh, that's your giant dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think only the only way, like, because it's constantly evolving, and this is the only way, if everybody talks with each other, that we're going to learn, you know, what to do and, like, what to see. You know, because yeah. I remember when she, when Julie had the GI issues, everybody's like, you don't have COVID because you're having GI issues. And now, yeah. Which is now it. a screening question for us. Yo, everybody yeah. has GI issues. And yeah. I knew, I was like, you know, the first day I was like, all right, maybe I have like a norovirus. Like maybe I got a stomach bug. And by like six days where I was so dehydrated, I couldn't sit up straight. Yeah. Like I literally, and it was for me too, I had to lie down. Like the minute I sat up, I got extremely dizzy. And I had like a high fever. And so I needed to lie flat, either supine or just like kind of in a semi-fowler's position to even be like remotely comfortable. And it was funny because I ended up, I called an ambulance. Like I called our, our yeah, lieutenant because at the time I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. how bad the hospitals were. It was and bad, I, bro. I was like, I'm alone. You know what I mean? Like my my ex husband yeah. and I are separate. Want me to stop recording for this happened story? I don't know. It's okay. I'm not all ambulances are created equal. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, not for nothing. Like they should learn to like be actual good EMTs. I mean, not for nothing. But anyway, I I basically laid in my house sick as a dog like I felt so bad by like day eight of me being horribly ill I basically called my lieutenant I was like I I can't function like I think I need fluids like I think I need like you know potassium electrolytes I was starting to get leg cramps and my heartbeat was like starting to do weird things and I have a history of aphids so I was like I need help I think I need help I can't take care of myself like I I need help and so I I called our desk lieutenant and it wasn't Neil it was someone else and instead of Ha- sending one of our units because I don't live that far from the station. They just basically put it into the 911 system, and a BLS crew that I was totally unfamiliar with came to me. And the first thing I I walked. I live on a fourth story walk up. I didn't want I didn't want them to have to come up here and, and deal with me. So I started walking down, and I met them on the second story, and they weren't masked up. And I said, "You should put your masks on." And they were like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Your masks. I probably have COVID." And right off the bat, the EMT goes, you probably don't have COVID. No, do the voice. <laughs> do the voice. He was Eastern European. He was like, no, you, you, you don't have COVID. These are not symptoms of COVID. <laughs> and um, I, 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 so much I was like, thanks, thanks, Doc. Because I like now I'm annoyed because I'm like, well, oh, not, not for nothing. And his country, he's probably a doctor. <laughs> I know, I know. But I was like, I didn't want to be a doctor. But I'm like, if I... As a medic, if I called you to come on my scene to help me with a patient, are you gonna fucking question me then? Like I'm asking. Hey, did they know? Did they know you were on the job and stuff? Yeah, like they it know. Said like it said MOS. I, it said MOS in the text, and I said I, I was like I work at station, you know, whatever, and um, they were like, the one guy's like, where's that? You work for White Cloth Hospital? I was like, no, I work. For you. you know, like I was so annoyed by it. And I got in the back of the truck and they're taking my vitals with a rad 57. Like they're not 
touching my pulses. They're not doing anything. And I was so irritated. I was glad I had a mask on because my face was like, I'm pissed. And, um, <laughs> That's another good thing about these masks. You, know, you can hide yeah. when they call and with a fever. And it's like, yo, why don't you take time? Oh, your face is disdained. Can be I know. <laughs> and I, I was trying to be, I, I honestly felt like, look, I'm just going to ask them to take me to the closest hospital, which is White Cross. Like, just take me there. And that's fine. You're going to do like a Silverman? Just transport. Yeah, just transport. Like, seriously, just transport me. And a boss showed up, and I was a boss from Queens. And right away, she also is like, um, ma'am, you know, they're not going to do anything for you. This is a virus. There's no cure. I'm like, no shit. You know, like, I know. I was like, I, I was like I'm a paramedic, and I need fluids. I was like, because at this point, I'm not making urine, so I need fluids. And she was like, oh, okay, well, they'll probably just give you fluids and send you home. And I was like, well, that's fine. Like, I was just like, just fucking take me to the hospital. And she was like, well, you know, you probably don't even have COVID if you're saying you're having diarrhea. I was like, actually, oh you need some of the information. I was like, that's a symptom. And she, that's one rolled of the signs, her, yeah. she rolled her eyes. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. And I like got up. I opened the door. I was like, you know what? I'll fucking call a crew from Brooklyn because they fucking know what's up. I'm getting out of here. And I like left the ambulance. And they were like, ma'am, ma'am. And I was like, Get the fuck. and I like walked in my house. They called my yes, like the, the <laughs> afternoon or whatever. But like, I called my lieutenant, and they were like, "Yeah, they're waiting outside for you." They they said there was a miscommunication, and I was like, "You can tell them to fuck off." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like no miscommunication there. I was so upset. I'm like, I'm like, yo, I'm I'm not some asshole off the street. I'm a paramedic. Like, I work for you guys. I'm telling you, I. I haven't had any urine output. That's a big deal. Nah. Well, how about you That's just a take big deal? That? Come on. How about you just take me to the hospital? You know, I'm just gonna I mean? send you home. I know. I, I was shocked, but yeah. So that was my bad experience with my own ambulance situation. The um, orange body bags. We heard the orange body bags too. So. What in our bus? No, the body bags are orange. Oh well, some of them are. To differentiate. Yeah, that's what we're told. Yeah. They're different colors. Like so, the hazmat. Yeah. The one hospital last week they had one trailer and now they have two trailers. Well, actually, their second trailer. Every hospital. Yeah. And, and and um, I went to Bellevue the other day because you know everybody's transporting to the closest, obviously. But I had a trauma, so I went to Bellevue, and usually that place is like you know Woodhall times three, you yeah. know, like with the loony <laughs> the loony bins and everybody's sick and it's crazy there. I yeah. walked into the general like area. Every single bed was taken, and every single patient was on a ventilator. Oh, shit. It was, yeah. like, so eerie. It was so eerie, like, mm. to go in there. Yeah, and then I, like, driving, in the, in yeah. the driving out, like, the, like the, the trucks, the morgue trucks are just lined up. There was, like, eight, eight wow. trucks. Wow. Freaking crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's, well, at the... Are them in these, these, these trailers? Are they just putting them on each other, or, like... Yes. I have yes. Well, they're in a, yeah, they're in a bag, and then they just throw them in. Yeah. They don't have any space in their morgues. I mean, one of the hospitals we went to the other day said, like, they had filled up their second trailer, and they had bodies upstairs that were waiting for hours to be taken down because they literally had nowhere to put them. Yeah. It's that bad, though. It's, it is that bad. Today, I saw an article that said that there's... Um, that, that they might start, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I saw the in the parks. Yeah. I know. I, was like, I don't know. That's, that's a little. Just, just put it this way. Like, you know, again, I don't know how many units we have throughout the city itself, but, you know, in Brooklyn alone, uh, at Station 57, you know, each unit is doing three, four, five cardiac arrests a day per unit. 
Yeah. Plus the DOAs that were Plus just pronouncing. Don't even count. So yeah. right. you know, right. That's the other thing. Three to That's five. That's the other thing they were saying, and the people that are left at home that were yeah. pronouncing whatever, they're, they're not even counting them. Yes, they're not counting them as COVID. They're only patients. counting the ones in the hospital. Yeah, because so they're, the body, they don't have. The body, the body count is real. Like I and and I'll I'll, I'll attest to it. When this yep. thing first came out, I thought it was bullshit. It's just yep. another flu. Don't Same worry here. about it. It's first nothing. thing I said. But as soon as those bodies started coming up, I I oh, yeah. I, I was scared myself. I yeah. took a light ball shower several times. Yeah. <laughs> several times. yeah. Yep. That's so it. I mean, because there, it's been like this point where like I so when I was sick, I didn't see my son. Like he stayed with his dad. And so like right after I felt better, I went and I saw him and I hung out there for like two hours or whatever. And um, then when I got back to work and I started seeing like the reality of what this is. And then I read a few things that said like, there is a possibility of contracting it again and being reinfected. I, I'm not seeing my kid anymore. Like I'm seeing him through FaceTime because the reality is like, I don't want to bring that not only to him, but to his dad, because like, God forbid something to happen to his dad, who's going to watch my kid. I have to be at work. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's like, we're really at a point where like, that's it. I feel like it sucks, like not seeing my son, but at, at the same time, I'm like, I'm not going to take a chance that I expose him to this. You know, I didn't think it was this bad. And now that I know it's this bad, we it's, saw the it's picture. kind of scaring like On our Instagram, you know? we had that one picture and they apparently like the line was down and around the corner that yeah. night. And um, we went there, you know, our first night back, we went, we waited for like 90 minutes and we didn't even see the triage nurse. And the post yeah. person, he became non-postictal and we're like, mm, there's no beds, call your mom. Yeah, we he called his mom. Yeah, he, he was a young guy, guy and, his, and his yeah. mom was, you know, probably in her 50s, 60s. Yeah. And we basically were like, if, if, you, if you feel better, yeah. you probably shouldn't wait here. And he was like, yeah, I don't want to get well, sick. And well, we're like, then call your mom and have her come and get you. Because like the reality is like, you're going to mm -hmm. wait here all night and you're going to be exposed to like all of this, yeah. you know, there's nowhere to put you like, mm -hmm. I mean, there was a guy in the waiting mm -hmm. area that we were in who fell on me. Like I was standing and I felt someone like bump into me, like from behind me. And I thought it was like an oxygen tank. Like I thought it was one of the big tanks. Yeah. And I turned around and there's a guy on the floor and we all kind of pick him up and put him back on a chair. And as we put him on the chair, I can see he's completely cyanotic. But I told the triage nurse, like, whoa, like this guy is cyanotic. It took like almost 10 minutes to get an oxygen tank to him because they couldn't find any. And then it took like another maybe 10, 20 minutes for a doctor to come and check him with a pulse ox. And then that doctor like literally ran off trying to find a bed to put this guy because they probably realized he's probably going to be in respiratory arrest in a few minutes. And he's sitting not even in the waiting area. He's like in a vestibule. Like he's practically at the front door of the hospital. Yeah. So like that at Wyckoff or oh, that was at Brookdale. Brookdale. Oh, Brookdale. Yeah. Brookdale's the worst though. Brookdale. I know. I'm even... What are you doing I mean, by Brookdale? I wouldn't even go. Yo, we've been uh, everywhere. No, we went from we went from, Cypro, <laughs> we went from Cy from deep in Bushwick, basically to JFK hospital. JFK. Yes, we got a trauma. We were we were on Myrtle mm -hmm. Avenue in Bushwick. And we got a trauma by Sunrise Highway. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like. Holy shit! Yeah, I know. That's like, kudos that's, to you. Guys. I mean, for you guys who are yeah, for you guys who are not in New York, that's like normally with traffic, that's like a forty-minute ride at least, yeah. even with lights and sirens on. Yeah. And it took us like less than twenty minutes. It yeah, then like, in fifteen minutes. I don't know, fifteen minutes to get there because there's no traffic. Who's driving? Pete. Yeah. Pete was driving. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Psycho speed racer. I know. I know. 
but that's how it is. Like, life. There's nobody out at night. We've been, <laughs> we've been everywhere. So yeah. we've actually been to a lot of different hospitals because yeah. the reality is like, there's, there's so many people out sick that we're covering basically all of New York. They, they told said, us that they said uh, 10 Will was over in. Yeah. Like, 10 Will was in like almost, almost like Long Island, yeah. like a Manhattan wow. unit. Yeah. All the way out to like the border of Nassau and Queens. Yep. Ten Will, the, the city unit, Manhattan. Yep. Unit. Yep. Nice. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So That's I, I, I don't know what you I don't know what Pittsburgh, you know, and down in Florida, you guys are gonna be going on some rides. So yeah. I don't know if you guys do like mutual aid out of the area. But I, I mean we do, but we're we're kind of blessed to where we have either a hospital or a standalone ER within five, ten minutes. If you need mutual aid, you know, do you guys uh, a lot of our mutual aids within our own county, honestly. Okay. Uh, as far as transports go, because like a lot of our, I mean, uh, most of our fire departments do their own transport. Okay. Yeah. So, Where are you at again, Ian? Uh, I'm in Orange County, Florida, uh, in Orlando. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it's nice. They, they, they have the, we have the, our big hospitals and my station is located like right next to a major highway. So it's 10 minutes either way. And then they're popping up standalone ERs all over the place. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. That's going to be interesting. So you, you guys, like if, if someone calls 911, you, you, you transport to any 911 receiving hospital or is it any facility? Are the hospitals separated in that, that sense or? Yeah. Um, yeah, technically, we're supposed to transport them wherever, as long as they don't meet like stroke or trauma criteria, sepsis criteria, whatever. We can. We're supposed to transport them wherever they request. Uh, however, your the captain's gone, right? So we can yeah, no, I no, yeah, he he seemed really cool. Um, but uh, you can you can talk. You can usually talk them into going to a closer hospital, mm. or you know, just using logic, being like, hey, this one's usually busy, you can go here. Yeah. The standalone ERs obviously aren't full-fledged hospitals, so like anything outside of I threw up once or I scraped my knee, they usually don't like receiving, you know, and yeah. they're not supposed to take cardiac arrest or OB patients to the standalones, but hmm. I'm te our protocol is you take them where they want to go if they are that adamant about if you can't, you know, talk them into going somewhere. Do you have a do you have a distant restraint or like a time frame restraint? Like question. if it goes above yep. a certain time to transport them to that area, you can't do it or I I'm sure we do. I know that there's been a couple random requests for like out on the coast or up in like Jacksonville and for that you have to get like our assistant chief's approval to transport there but like mm -hmm. as far as it's like within our county we're, we're a huge county it'll take probably about well i say huge it takes about 45 minutes depending on traffic to an hour to get across the county um and as long as it's within that county you you're allowed to take them you're good wow. okay. and then do you come up for jobs in that area or you go back to your first due they change yeah they recently changed it within that last year um up till last year, we had like our still our first dues, and we still kind of do. But then they introduced this new AVL system. So as soon as you become available, it pings you, and if you're okay. closer, you're closer. So we've had units get stuck on the completely opposite side of the county, running calls. Relocating. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, you know, you're like, you know, and then you can play. You can play na naive. 
You know, like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, that's when you just kind of <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Be like, yeah, we all floated like 10 minutes ago as you're on your way home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still don't do that. Like, we have GPS, but there's no rhyme or reason how, okay. like, we're passing each other. Like, you'll see, like, a unit from your station, and they're going the opposite way. And you're like, yo, I just came from there, and they're going to a job. Jeez. No, there is rhyme and reason, but it's just bullshit. That's yeah, that's we, don't, we can't figure it out. <laughs> no, there's rhyme, there's no reason. Okay, yeah. I get that. Yeah. You, you guys realize, like, we're on we're on the PD uh, uh, GPS, not not FDNY right. PD, uh, GPS. Right. Interesting. So it, it's 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 whatever. However, PD operates in their sense. That's that's how we operate. Speaking, also, speaking As of per- which, has are you still getting PD on your jobs? Uh, no, I mean, wait outside. Waited wait three outside. hours for PD today, but but generally yes. Yeah, there's no. I mean, for like them. just regular, yeah, not no. cardiac arrest. No, they're doing the wave from a distance. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Are you guys okay? Type thing. <laughs> yep. So the nice wave fifty-five. We're good. We're good. Yeah. What about it. what about for? Well, I don't know if like your BLS to like transported like the, the EVPs or certain ones that like. The, the cops didn't want to ride with them, like do the, the uh, no. Funny enough, do I don't, the, I don't even, I don't even hear EDPs on the radio anymore. No. I don't even, mm-hmm. I don't even hear them anymore. I think that's no backlog that it just, oh, they, they just don't COVID. come up anymore. However, yeah. I do. People got COVID, and they're just coming up as COVID. <laughs> they're just coming up as COVID. But, um, in the herd. like a few, like two or three of the uh, ambulances stopped at our station uh, the other day, and. They were telling us stories about EDPs, so maybe maybe they're giving all the EDPs to the mutual aids. I don't I don't know. I don't think they're ready for it. That's, yeah. a, that's a good way to like they, get them to go they, home real quick. The questions that they were asking me, they're not ready for it. No. No. Yeah, no. Oh. So our EDPs are second to none. Yeah. So yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. And we throw. Um. What about um? Have you guys had any uh? Jumpers. No, actually. We've been getting a lot of those because, you know, everybody, like, people that are quarantined or people that, like, you know, they're staying inside. Staying home with their wife, so they just jump off the ledge? I got you. Yeah, that too. That would make you jump, right? (laughs) You got more high buildings than Oh, serious? Really? Yeah, yeah, in the city, you do, yeah. So, like, there was was one, for example, that was... um, he, he left a note and everything. He's like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm like, you know, like I'm not working. Uh, everybody's, you know, dying. Things are going to hell. So 16 flights. Wow. And he landed on his feet. Oh. On his feet, Jesus. That was yours? Jeez. Yeah, that's why. I we got like four stories. You know, you got like the hipster that locked himself out. And then they're going to climb the downspout <laughs> and then fall off in the courtyard. <laughs> the hipster. I'm like, Missouri. I'm going to climb this tree to get in. <laughs> fire escape and then they fall off and they're drunk and... <laughs> <sighs> I've had a hipster that did that actually right <laughs> yeah yep. so like we have like a lot of hipsters and they're from like the midwest and they want to take like selfies on like water towers and, <laughs> and it's, it's a long way down yeah so, it's called deadly selfies <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the hipster I had, it's funny, he, he uh he was drunk. he was at a house party in uh you know, one of them apartments in Williamsburg. So he was on like the fifth floor or something like that. So he went out. It was in a loft. <laughs> I don't even, I, I don't even think I went inside. I don't even know. But he was uh he was on the fire he went out on the fire escape to to smoke on the fire escape and he locked himself out. 
So he was stuck on the fire escape. He thought, again, drunk, high, whatever drugs he was doing. So he thought it'd be a good idea to jump down to the, the, the next fire escape and try and get his way in from that fire escape. So he jumps down, misses the, <laughs> misses the next floor, gets to the, the, the two floors down, but in the same process, he, he his hand caught on the floor. Oh, nice. Escape right, right above him and ripped off his whole, like he degloved his whole he hand. Loved, oh <laughs> my God. And so oh, he's getting, so we get there and he was like, oh, I'm good. And he's, he's got it wrapped in his shirt. Like he took his shirt off. I don't have insurance. Shirt. Don't take me to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'm good. Don't worry about it. You guys are good. Yeah, I don't know why they called you. I don't know why they called you. <laughs> oh my God. You're bleeding. You got a bloody hand. <laughs> so it was just like the, you ever seen the Terminator where he takes yeah. off his hand. You can see all the, <laughs> all the ligaments in his hand, like you, everything moving. I'm like, dude, you need to go to the hospital. At least yeah, that's you need to. You need. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And then Adam, it. yo, you did a terrain rescue, right? You rappelled down to uh. Save oh overdose? yeah, the uh, the the overdose, the guy that uh fell over the hill. He he <laughs> randomly took the hill and then like went over the hill. So that was me and Richie's first call together as steady partners. Yep. By the way, but they get to they force entry in Pittsburgh. They do a vehicle extrication and repelling. So like their EMS is like like as good as like firemen and stuff. So they just don't get to go to fire. Nice. So. So yeah, it's one of the benefits of, of having our fire department. Like, so as a fire department and a medic, we get to play in all aspects also. So it's fun. Yeah. So do you guys like try to beat the engine there to like, you know, make the grab before they get there? Oh, dude. Well, yeah. When I'm on the rescue, I tell my, I tell my <laughs> driver, I'm like, hey, man, if I'm not driving and you're driving, we get a fire call or something, you better be there first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling that line as soon as I get there. Yep. That's all. I'm going to put it out with the water can. I'm going to steal your toys, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a hero. I ain't scared. That's awesome. That's Yo, so we go for two and a half hours. You guys want to stop or we can keep going? Talk to you. I don't care. I'm, I actually got to get my son ready to bed regardless, so. All right. Oh. To, I know. I know. He's he's crazy. He's Daddy duties. Yeah. Aww. So oh, that's some red hair. hair. Woo. Oh yeah. Aww. Aww. What's up, Hi, man? Fred. Oh. Hi. 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 She she's gonna wait oh. too. Oh. <laughs> what kind of uh, terrier mix? What is it? <laughs> terrier mix. Terrier mix. My parents have one. The redhead is cuter, but hey. You got the air conditioning on down there? You guys are in shorts, right? Yeah. You guys are in shorts and everything? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cold. Dude, man. it was like in the 90s today. We didn't even go to the park. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, we're hating. We're all still in sweatshirts and long pants. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't bad today. It wasn't bad today. I was going to say, I might trade wow. it for the weather because it's not even sunny well, yet in the 90s. Yeah. It's cold, man. It's cold. So. It was like 65. It's cold. Oh, see, that, that sounds nice. Five here. Mm-hmm. I, I wore just, you know, the sweater. So. Yeah. Um, sorry, everyone, that I had oh. to go. My, my son was going to bed, so I was like doing FaceTime. But, um, yeah, yeah, we should do this again in like a week. Yeah. We should wrap yeah, see, totally. see what you guys are doing. You know, we'll grab some. You know, I got a guy from California. We can get him on here. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, 
And I need some social contact, so let's tomorrow. This this really helps. That's every day. Like I said, I haven't seen this stuff yet. So thank you guys for pointing that out. Yeah. No problem, no problem. Oh yeah. Sorry, so I'm gonna stop recording, but yeah, thanks for listening. If you guys wanna hang, we all stay and talk. So I'm just gonna stop recording because I know people are like, yo, these guys are keeping going. Stories <laughs> and shit, because we just, you know, ain't nobody seen each other. So, all right, let me hit the stop here. And...